Welcome back, episode six of Coffee with the Johns. Today is gonna be a fun day. We have a lot of things that have hit the news. We're gonna be talking about uh, possible foreclosures coming down the line, um, mortgage delinquencies, San Francisco. What a surprise! California's back in the news. No, we well, got New York in there this time. Well, yeah, but California just cannot seem to stay out of the news. Um, we, we have a lot of things going on, uh, around 15 of negotiations with uh, the stimulus package, so that's going to be fun. Uh, more job layoffs, more issues and uncertainties in the market, so we're going to be covering that. And we do have some news, like John said, about New York, so they're, they're doing some fun stuff over there. And to finish it off, we're actually going to be talking about a documentary, The Social Dilemma, and... This is a point that John and I have been, could not be like any further apart on. Oh, we could be so, further apart. I do, yeah, I just, yeah, I just, he I just could. Go, he I just could, go easy on you. He could be more wrong. Uh, that's always possible. I don't want to make him cry. But, um, very sensitive. but it's going to be fun. So throughout this whole live and everything, uh, always feel free to jump in. Uh, jump in the chat, give your opinions, uh, you know, join the conversation. We, we pay attention to the chat. So um, any comments or anything like that, just... Put them in the chat, and we'll make sure to read them and save your wrong. <laughs> um, with that being said, um, Mr. Barr, how's it going, sir? Going well. Beautiful morning outside. Getting the more temperate weather for you uh, eh. softies. Nah, it was nice when we were getting 50s, but now, yesterday it hit 90. I was like, damn it, the Yeah, but there was back. no humidity. Yeah, it's still hot, though. You realize yesterday when you walked up here and said this is great temperature, it was like 87 degrees. And there's no, no get out of I, here. I, I, I looked at it, I was like, wow, it's like you still and your made up 80s. facts. Get out of here. Stop you know lying. When he gets defensive. Stop oh. lying. <laughs> this, isn't a, this isn't a presidential debate. Stop lying. What? <laughs> there's no lies like so, there. So, starting off, uh, there's, there's a big issue right now. So, we were reading an article and. Um, what do you call it? In, uh, damn it, in the Realtor Magazine. So as you can see here, we they're having issues with people not going into forbearance, right? Not asking for forbearance because they claim that there's a big misconception and confusion. And what's funny is like they seem surprised with this confusion, but we've been looking at it very closely and it's like, I'm sorry. How it's not like you guys have been putting out clear information. Yeah. And then this article links to another article. And for those of you watching, all the links are going to be below right after we go live. Um, but it links to another article where they talk about how it may be possible. Maybe you can do this. So then it's like, even then, there's no certainty. So pretty much what's happening is that there's over a million homeowners right now that are delinquent on their um, mortgages. And when asked why, and, and over what they say, over 80% of them are actually Fannie and Freddie loans that they would qualify for the forbearance and everything. But when asked, they were like, well, we just don't know what that is. And 70% of them were saying... Well, the thing is that if we go into forbearance, I don't want to be stuck with a lump sum payment after the forbearance is done. It's kind of like you realize you're stuck with a lump sum payment now. Yeah. And they can start to try to foreclose now. 
Yeah. And I, I don't think um, when a lot of this, I think the bank or all comes to fruition and stuff, there's banks aren't going to foreclose. Uh, I think they'll do a lot more loan modifications and add lump sum payments to the back of the loans and stuff like that. Because I think they learned, I was listening to another real estate professional and they're saying it really seemed like banks kind of learned their lesson that just dumping inventory onto the open market was actually even worse because they crashed the market. So they yeah. were devaluing their own assets because they were going off appraisals and that just flooded the market with too much inventory and supply just fell through the floor. So I think this time around, now that they are a little more well capitalized since they've already been through this once, they're going to people that can afford it, they will do modifications for but yeah. now if you have somebody who lost their job completely and their job's not coming back and they can't get to the, say they were somebody making 150 grand a year and now they can only find something making 60 and they're in a 500 $600,000 house, it's like, obviously you can't afford this new payment yeah, kind of ordeal. So it's like, we'll give you some time, but you need to either sell or they will foreclose at that point and if there's any equity. Well, I mean, some of the issues too coming up with this whole thing is that there's people that by not filing for forbearance, their credit is being hit because they are delinquent on their mortgage. So what they were saying is that they should, that's why I love the words they use because it should, could, maybe, but there's like no definitive answer. Yeah. But they're pretty much saying that the banks shouldn't be uh, reporting this to the credit bureaus when you're in forbearance. Right, be, they're just because they're forgiven, not forgiven, but they're allowing you to delay your loan and postpone your loan. Yeah. So they're saying that forbearance is not going to affect your credit, but being delinquent on your loan and not going into missing forbearance payments, is yeah. going to yeah, hurt. You report those missing payments. So now their whole thing here and the articles that we're going to be linking below, they all talk about you know a possible um, uh, foreclosure rise coming up because they're also saying. Uh, in the article, they were saying, you know, homeowners who pass due mortgage payments could swell even more as people are, who are currently in forbearance reach the end of their program terms in October, yet they still haven't found a way to pay for their mortgage. So they're going to have to either request for extensions, and they're saying the FHFA, FHFA. There you go. <laughs> Has said that um, they're pushing, every, uh, you know, Fannie and Freddie to give those extensions, to give all the help that they're going to need. Um, and it says that the again, they say that they clarify that it would not require homeowners who take mortgage forbearance to make up all missed payments in one lump sum. A payment plan could be worked out with the servicer. So. You know, it's just that as you know, it could be. But I mean, they're pretty much alluding to like, even still, talk to your mortgage broker, talk to your lender, and figure out like, hey, can I get some help? Because going delinquent is just it's terrible for your credit, and it's just not going anywhere. So that being said, do you think foreclosures are going to be coming back with all this? I think there will be some foreclosures that are going to come out of it because you can't have something of this magnitude roll across the entire world, the United States and stuff like that, and not have some fallout from it. Because mm -hmm. you're, it's just, you are going to see it because we were at record lows going into this thing because everyone was making more money. Money's flowing through the economy. It's where obviously money has dried up. You're starting to see this. They're trying to put another stimulus package together, which is, they keep saying is elusive. And 
they can't strike a deal. So you pull this much money out of an economy, you're naturally going to have some fallout somewhere. Even if somebody's in forbearance, like I gave that example, somebody lost permanently lost their job, it's not coming back, and you still got 8% unemployment uh, across the nation. Like it, It's going to rise. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be as much as it was before because they. I think they're going to be more willing to work with people saying like, hey, you lost your job, you got it, but now you got something back. So let's take the uh, loan modification, all those back payments and interest, We'll just attach it on the very end of your payment. And so now you have to make that payment when you, quote, pay off your loan or sell the lo- or sell the house. Well, they, they did talk about that they would structure some form of payment plan. So my curiosity is, is this payment plan, like you're saying, going to be part of the back of your loan? Or is it going to be you have your mortgage that you got to pay every month and you also have a payment plan to catch up your mortgage? at the same time so now essentially your mortgage went up that amount to catch up those payments talk about the golden handcuffs the american dream right there hey right uh now where i sort of disagree is that i do not think um foreclosures are necessarily going to be coming back as much because when we went into this whole thing People were not in the economic situation that they were back in 08. We also don't have those liar loans like they had. But that's what I'm saying. So people weren't, there's a lot of houses in the way the the real estate market is moving, right? We didn't have a real estate crash. So these houses are not over leveraged. Like, yes, you're late on your payments and you're behind on your mortgage and everything. But I, I believe that most of these people still have plenty of equity that if it really got that bad and they really needed, you know, they're pushed into foreclosure, they could sell the home, take care of their loan and everything and still be good. Yeah. But their credit did take a hit. Yeah. It, it depends on the type of loan too. If you get an FHA three and a half percent down and you've only owned it for two years, chances are you don't have enough equity to sell your house, cover the costs of selling yeah. it. Um, Cause I mean, your average homeowner is going to take eight to 10% to sell your house. Plus any concessions, repairs, stuff you got to make. Uh, but I think it's different this time around as well is because you like I mentioned, you don't have those liar loans with these teaser rates and stuff like that, that just all of a sudden, all the payments just started flying up to where you, I don't think you're going to see those swings where you heard the stories back to like in Phoenix, somebody buys something for like 270 grand and a year later it was worth like a hundred. So yeah, I don't yeah. think you're going to have Because it's not aspect. a real estate crash right now. It, yeah. It's not, it's not a liquidity crisis currently that, yeah. uh, of money flowing to the banks. Right. So I, think, I, I like how you put in currently. <laughs> currently. I'm saying like it, it can always get worse. I don't know. But well, currently it's not looking like that was the reason where in 2008 it became very apparent from the start of it. It's like there's not enough cash and there's not a vehicle on how to get cash to banks quickly like they have now where Federal Reserve just comes in and says, we're just going to buy everything. Yeah. And back then it's like, oh, can we buy this stuff? It took too long. So I think that's one of the things I heard this um, a lot of economists talk about is the Federal Reserve and the U.S. government did do well get, comparing to 2008 of getting ahead of this crisis and not waiting too long. Yeah. And so they got ahead of some of the damage. But now it's the problem with this is like the cause is still here yeah. where like, you still have the coronavirus out there. There is no vaccine. So it's still wreaking havoc around the world. And we're 2008, like it kind of slowly worked itself out. And then it was a recovery aspect. So right now it's like we're having to drastically adapt on how our economy moves and people interact and commerce happens. Correct. So you want to... What? Uh, Did you just agree with me? I'm correct. You hear that, ladies and gentlemen? That's first. Well, there are things that you actually pay attention to and you have real opinions on. 
<laughs> but um, it, talk about San Francisco and the awesome uh, new plans that they're doing with um, with the rentals. I mean, oh my god! I, I saw this. Oh, it was just something that uh, the San Francisco rental market, their single family rental, which blew my mind. Uh, just because we're here in Texas, they like rent your average meeting rent for like a two bedroom, two bath like apartment is like fifteen hundred bucks. To where in California you're in like the two three thousand dollars. To where in September the median rent for a one bedroom apartment in San Francisco dropped more than twenty percent uh, from a year ago to twenty eight uh, two thousand eight hundred thirty bucks. Wow. I mean, it, I think they're they're contributing it to a lot of things going on. Or you have if seen the pictures of just like the orange skies from mm -hmm. the fires that are happening out there. Oh, that's Those not are, a Instagram filter. That's not an Instagram filter. <laughs> that is what it looked like apparently. Um, but yeah, you have those aspects where like people are moving out of the big urban areas. Yeah. So you're having people just leave and they're not wanting new leases to where you're seeing a 20% decline year over year. That's just like, Oh my God, that is a huge amount. Like I've never seen anything like that. I've seen some declines of three, four or 5% or something like that, but 20% that oh. is a massive exodus uh, from that specific market. I don't know what the other the rest of the market is doing out there uh, as far as two bedroom, two baths or people moving up trying to buy houses. Is it just is it being caused by people wanting to leave and move up to something? Mm -hmm. But I just I don't think if you're living in a one bedroom apartment in San Francisco, you're going out to buy a multi-million dollar house, which your median price out there is over a million bucks. Right. For a house. But it's the cause of the fires, the homelessness, the, the restrictions they're putting on businesses. Uh, the, the things that are just going on that we've talked about in previous episodes of uh, just like, my God, then people are just, I'm done. I'm leaving. I'm fed up to where, I mean, what was it just this last week? Uh, Paps Brewing is leaving California. They're moving here. So it's another company coming out and just being like, yep, we're done with this. We're moving to uh, a different state. We're yeah. heading out. So yeah, I mean, they got a real problem. No, I mean, it's, it just goes to show like, well, now for those of you that don't know, there's a... Uh, we have a very big vocabulary uh, of a not vocabulary alphabet. So we went from having a V-shaped recovery to a possible shush recovery, the Nike shush recovery. Um, so pretty much to for a the, W, to a W, to now we're adding the K recovery. So for those of you that don't know, uh, the V-shape is. It, crashes and it jumps right back up so a good example of that is what happened in 9-11 uh, that the stock markets everything crashed and then it came right back up the swoosh is pretty much that it crashes it takes a little bit at the bottom and then it comes back gradually then the w is that it crashes comes up and crashes again and then comes up again now the k recovery is it crashes and then some areas come up and some areas go down. And that is sort of what we are seeing, um, well, which mean, is what we see in California versus like Texas, right? Like the, as far as the housing market goes, like California is definitely on the, the bottom leg of the K. And Texas, I mean, we are selling houses that are not renovated pretty right. damn quickly. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, what they're talking about a lot of is, I mean, obviously, like an example is tech. Tech is taking off. The top part of the economy, your big corporations, your big companies seem to be recovering, doing well because they have access to capital. 
and they have access to reach the people a lot better than your small businesses. Where one of our articles is that is the, how many small businesses are in jeopardy of going out in six months. They don't, they can't survive another three, five months because they're running cash flow negative. They're burning into savings to where yeah. they don't have access to liquidity like these big companies do. They can go sell bonds for multi or 30, 40 years at low, super low interest rates. They can't access that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it does become dangerous and where you do have this like the quote unquote K-shaped recovery to where some areas are doing great, some areas are not doing great. So Yeah, and then and then now you also have again California, not to pick on you, but you, you make it very easy. Uh California governor signs a um damn this webpage. A corporate boardroom diversity law. So <laughs> I I just it's just one of those things that like I, I'm always against right uh, this is just one of my things that I like being left alone and California again says no we know what's best for you so why don't you have more diversity they, and, and they're making this into a law which is crazy in your boardroom I mean you 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 spend a lot of time looking at California because you love that state so what are your opinions on this? Hey, podcast, if you're finding any of this information valuable, make sure you subscribe. I, it's just anytime you have government reaching in and telling companies how to run, I think it's a bad idea because now they're forcing people to say you can't choose the top talent mm -hmm. or you have to try harder to go down and go from a, a what they use as an under underrepresented community and you have to put them on your corporate board. It's like, what are you trying to get here? Okay, yes, diversity in that. But now you're saying it's no longer merit-based to take that job. It's now just like, nope, the color of your skin is what determines if you get that job or not. When it might be in certain areas, it's like, hey, there is 60% white and only 20% black, and then the rest is fill in with everyone else. It's like, so your pool is much smaller on this side. And you're saying, now I have to pull from this smaller subset. So we're just like, if you pull out a 10 candidates, they're all qualified, you have six and two, and then you have the other two in the middle. To where it could be very hard to get the best talent to where now if everyone has to do this, they have they have 660 public corporations within California. Mm -hmm. And now they're all fighting over the smaller subset to get under the corporate board. And it's like, that's not, I don't know what you're trying to accomplish with that. Well, uh, what they say in the article is that supporters evoke both the coronavirus pandemic, that is disproportionately affecting minorities and weeks of unrest and calls for inclusion that followed the slaying of George Floyd. So after Floyd's death, many corporations issued statements of support for diversity, but many haven't followed through. So this is what the assemblyman, Chris Holden, um, uh, who authored the bill, co-authored the bill, had to say, right? So it's like, wait, so... Coming out in support of, you know, discrimination and, uh, you know, abuse and er all these things are happening is not enough. No, you, you you supporting it doesn't mean anything. What matters is that you fire or get rid of or grow your company in a way that you hire more minorities to show your support. It's like, I'm sorry, but that's ignorant as shit. To go off of your point, it's like. You should be able to hire whoever's best for the job. Now, I'm all for, I believe in job applications. 
asking for what your gender is doesn't matter unless it matters, right? Unless it's a job that is designed for a man or a male role or something along those lines or a female role or something like that. But other than that, for a job application, for a regular job, like it doesn't matter if you're black or white. It shouldn't matter if you're a man or a woman. What matters is your credentials, yeah. right? Can you do the job? Do you have the ability to do the job? Do you have the recommendations, the, the knowledge, whatever it is that they're needing for the job? So then it's like, why now, if they're not hiring minorities, then they're not in support. So now they're making, again, corporations and business owners seem like, you know, we're all the bad guys because we're not hiring minorities. It's like, it's not that, you know, at least for a lot of businesses, it's not that they don't want to hire a minority. It's that they're looking for whatever the best talent is. If minority has it, then they have it. I mean, we know companies, Patrick but David, he has his uh, insurance company. The majority of his staff, like 15,000 people, are minority. Yep. Well over the majority. And 50% of them are women or more than that. Right? So it's like there are companies that are doing this, but you cannot force it. Like that to me is just, it's insane. I don't I don't understand. Um we have a uh, David Oberhauser that he put that he he was able to make it this morning. So glad you're joining us. Look at the sports world. The only thing that matters is your ability to get the job done. One thousand percent, right? When basketball first started, it was a white man sport, right? That that's how well most sports started that way. And now it doesn't matter what your color is. What matters is can you play the game? Yeah. Can you score the points? Can you show up? The best players in almost any sport are a, minor, a minority. You know, well, it doesn't matter what you, sport you want to talk about. The best player, except for the NFL, we have Brady. But other than Brady, <laughs> your face is just funny. <laughs> you, you went there, huh? You went there. So you're admitting you're not a Patriots fan. You're a Brady fan. So, no, I admit that I'm a talent heard it fan. Here, folks. I'm a talent fan, and you cannot deny that Brady has talent. I'm so, not denying that, but I exactly. Talk about no, that's much. it. You already said you're not denying it. <laughs> um, and um, but you, but you get what I'm saying. Like you have basketball, NFL, soccer, um, baseball. Your best players are all minority because that's what matters, and that's an excellent point, David. And that's something that. In the sports world, it should be the same thing. It should not be, let's overcorrect this and go the opposite way. Where now it's like, well, you know, you're you're not hiring enough minorities, so let's hire all minorities now, or the most minorities. It, it makes no damn sense. So Lauren Tratowski chimes in, he's a talented cheat. Comes from a... Buffalo Bills fan, of course. You're just full of anger and hatred from losing so damn Spit much. Spit venom. Spit and venom. But it's insane. I mean, you got to... And plus, I mean, if they haven't proven that before, I mean, Jesus, government cannot run a business. They've oh. proved it time and time again. Every time the government gets involved in business politics, businesses take a hit. And when businesses take a hit, people take a hit. Like, I mean, that's what they don't understand. They're always with these, you know, tax the rich or go after these big, bad businesses. Who do you think gets affected? It's the working class that gets affected. 
Right? Now, yep. all of them get affected. Everybody gets affected. Like, they don't understand the science behind this. That's not that hard to understand. But, whatever. Let's move on. You have, so, um... Threw in, a, threw in a little one for you. Mm. Uh, this was last minute, so I don't know if you read the article yet when I put it in here. But it's... Newsom pushes a sweeping green energy rule, but can't keep, even keep the lights on. EPA <laughs> boss says... <laughs> Environmental Protection Agency, run by the government, how the California wants to love being go like government telling everyone what to do. The federal government, the boss of the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, comes out because Newsom put out this uh, this bill that said that uh, or here is it earlier this week criticizing his executive order banning the sale of new gas-powered vehicles by 2035. So in 15 years, the state of California cannot have any internal combustion engines being sold in the state. And this problem... That's reasonable. Yeah. In 15 years, it's like, that's, a, that's not a very long time for rolling out every internal combustion engine with the amount of semis, the, the GDP of California. And the EPA, the EPA boss comes out and he goes, your state is already struggling to maintain reliable electricity for today's demands. Yeah. California's record of rolling blackouts unprecedented in size and scope coupled with the recent request for or to neighboring states for power bags the question of how you expect to run an electric car fleet that will come with significant increase to electricity demand you can't even keep the lights on i just cracked me up this is like wow let's just throw this out there and say this is what we're gonna do and then even they're like dude because again before the hell is here the, man the, like get no a good because they're, before. they're going after the politics of it right so it's more of hey you know, this this is right. We know people are going to like this because we're showing how, you know, uh, world conscious we are, how, you know, how all this, what, what's that, the shit that's going around, global warming, you know, how against it we are. So let's throw this out, even though, does it make sense? Oh, who cares? We'll get cookie points because, you know, we're, we care about the economy. We, we care about the world. I mean, you know, we care about, you know, everything and people being able to breathe clean air. But we go back to the same thing. It's like, all right, but that means absolutely nothing. Like, going back to the same thing. You want to support minorities. Okay. Overcorrecting and hiring only minorities doesn't make sense either. Yeah. Well, this like, year, I mean, David called it out. It's just going to drive like that. The the car dealers out of California. Like, I think that's 100% right. Because, I mean, you saw it here in Texas when since we are an energy-producing state – when Tesla came in and tried to start selling cars here, they had a hard time doing it. So I think the, what the discrepancy was, they were trying to do it via online order, and the big dealerships came out, and the big car company said, no, you can't do it via online order. You have to have showrooms. So they kind of put a block there, and now what do you see? You see Tesla showrooms here in, in, in Texas. Yeah. where the exact same thing's going to happen. You're going to drive them out, but then people are just going to be like, all right, I'm just going to go to my local Chevy store, and I'm going to order it online to make in Michigan and ship it in. So yeah, they're gonna come a workaround, and then they won't. Uh, and even in twenty thirty five, if it doesn't happen, they're just playing for politics and votes of what people want to see. And it's like it's not gonna happen. So what you're gonna do is you're gonna drive the companies out doing these diversity laws. You're gonna be like, dude, screw you. Like I'm done with this crap because there's so many other freer states that are more business friendly to where there's only a certain level that you can cross that it's like, all right, these new laws and regulations become burdensome, 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 and then you have your cost to move your company here. If you keep going long enough, eventually it's going to be like, you know what? 
screw it. I'm yeah. out. I'm well, done with this. And and Lawrence makes a good point where he says, you know, just like the war on landlords makes life harder on everyone, especially the tenants. And as you're seeing all these policies, all these changes, all these things they're bringing out, we're starting to see people move in the millions out of these uh, out of these states, right? Leaving California, leaving New York, leaving all these states are just screwing everything up. I mean, what more evidence can you possibly ask for to show that that level of policy and politics just does not work? But to them, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the world more and more is scared to admit when they're wrong. So what is everybody doing is... Yeah, we're wrong, but let's double down. Let's double down. Let's keep doubling down, right? It's like, guys, like, can we just stop and say, all right, all right, I'm sorry, we screwed up. That shit didn't work. It's fine. It's okay to be wrong. Like, it's not bad. It, no. you, you know, it's okay. We're always wrong. That's how you learn. You cannot always be right. It's impossible. You know, so... Oh, but they're going to try. Oh, they're going to try. And they keep trying, and it's like, all of these policies, all of these things just keep showing more and more how you're wrong. You won't admit it, but yet let's double down and let's keep going. And and to kind of add on this point, right? Well, um, well okay. it, it does all sorts of things, though. It's like the nature of politics of like the quote unquote, the people like you vote your person into power. Like you can't rig a, a state when it's like 75 people are against you and you only have 25 percent support. So. Obviously, somebody is still voting for things and keeping these people in power because they have a super majority in I don't California. Know. I, so, I don't know. That That's one of the things that I've been paying attention to politics very recently in the last, I would say, five years or so. Right. Um, before then. And, you know, I just I don't know. I was in my own world doing my thing, working, you know, for a living. <laughs> Um, yeah, but below 20, under 25 the world is mine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, I started paying attention to politics and everything. And one thing I've always heard is how ridiculously no, low the number of people showing up to vote are. Yeah. So if these numbers are so low, why are we coming up with something that says, look, if we're not hitting at least this number of people showing up, we need to change. Something needs to change. Right. Like we have the presidential election. Right. And, and I believe I firmly believe this that we have the majority of the United States that actually doesn't like either candidate. I think that's the majority. You know, yeah. I, I don't think that we are as divided as media wants to make it seem. It's just that we the people are kind of bred to be of a sheep mentality. So you got to pick a side, right? And you're being herded to the Democratic or the Republican, and both sides are going further in, the, in those directions away from each other. But I actually believe, because I've spoken to people, and we both have, people that are Democrats, people that are Republicans, and we can actually sit down and have a conversation, and we realize that we are all more towards the middle than we are towards the far left or far right, like the politicians are trying to push. So then it's, if we don't hit a certain number of people showing up to vote, that is a vote in and of itself of people saying, listen, I think you're both fucked up, right? Like, you're both idiots, we don't want you guys. Yeah. So then it's like, all right, we need to change this. And this does not mean that it of course, this is all my opinion, right? I don't I'm not I don't know if it makes any sense, but this does not mean that Trump gets to stay until this is figured out. 
I think Trump, they spoken. They don't want you either. So you need to kick rocks, right? You need to leave. Biden, you suck. You can't stay awake. So it's like, all right, Orange Man and Sleepy Joe, step aside. Somebody, the government needs to kind of go on autopilot or something. I don't know what makes sense, but something needs to get resolved. Yeah. Something drastic needs to be done where it cannot be that we keep deciding all these politicians going into power with a minuscule amount of people showing up to vote. And I think as Americans, we need to care enough to show up and make noise and not make noise in a destructive way like people have been doing, protesting and breaking you know, buildings and harassing people. Like That's just ignorant as all hell. I'm talking about making noise as far as you know, we don't want either one. We are not going to vote. We want change. We want people that actually represent us. I, 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 I agree. It's just one of the things like, but how the hell do you get there? Like the government going on autopilot. Like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's also kind of one of the things they can't seem to agree on anything anyways. So it's kind of running on autopilot anyways. Like, well, all these agencies are kind of just running by themselves as it sits. So Star, she says she agrees. So thanks for agreeing, Star. And uh, of course, guys, like, Comment in, in the in the live chat. Put your comments, your opinions. Have conversations with each other. I mean, this is this is to I I want this to initiate more creative and productive thinking and constructive thinking, right? And not so such you know. Oh, I'm a Democrat, so la la la. If you're a Republican, like that goes absolutely nowhere. Listen to the other side. Let's let's understand what the other side is is thinking. And try to reach some agreements. Well, that's how, like David just put it here. It's like, remember when we all watched The Apprentice? We all loved Trump and wanted to be just like him. Of course. Well, it's like, that's why people don't want to get into politics. Because the second you go into politics, half your audience hates you. The other half loves you even more. So instead yeah. of having 100 million people that follow you, it's like, nope, you only get 50 now. But the other people, half people you. hate you because they feel they need to hate you. One of the arguments that I found, um, and I think these type of arguments are, are very bad on either side. But one of the arguments was um, this guy was saying on Facebook. I love when people put their political opinions on Facebook. I, I don't care if Biden is bad for the country. I will not vote for Trump because he's rude. It blew my mind. That statement completely blew my mind. And he's like, I don't care if, the, if Biden creates policies that ruins my kids' lives. But I just cannot have them look at Trump and say, yes, that's how you should behave. I'm like, whoa, first of all, this is one thing that's happened recently. That's uh, um, as a parent, you know, I have a five year old and an eighth month old, and I don't want them to look up to any of these people as role models. I don't want them to look up uh, to actors as role models, athletes as role models, performers. I don't want them to look up to anybody as role models. I want you to perhaps admire one of their qualities, like, you know, uh, LeBron James, maybe excellent basketball player, right? Maybe he's a shitty human being. Their work ethic. Yeah, it's like they're very, you know, they're great people on the field, right? But they suck in their private life, right? And always like, oh, no, but this guy cheats on his wife. I don't give a damn if he cheats on his wife because he plays a really good basketball game or a good football game or whatever. Like, I'm watching the sport. I'm not watching his personal life. Yeah. You know, Turn that's between him and his therapist. Like, yeah. you know, don't get married. I don't give a damn. That's not 
my problem, right? I'm looking at it for what it is. And the same with the president. And you've made a very excellent point yesterday. If you want to repeat it, the divorce attorney. Oh, that's like, like to me, when I look at this thing, it's like, I don't have to like the president. And I, I use the analogy that I heard at one time of like, if you're getting a divorce, I heard this from, uh, I was on a cast like Dave Ramsey, a girl called in and he's like, man, honey, you really need to get divorced, whatever this <laughs> conversation was. But he's like, you don't really, like, you kind of hire somebody you don't really like because they're going to get you the best deal and they're kind of a prude and they're rude. That means people don't want to stand up. That means they're probably going to get you the best outcome for you personally when it's you versus them. Yeah. As like, when I look at a, a presidential candidate, they control the entire U.S. economy, the, the, the entire U.S., everything that we touch. So like, I look at it as things that are going on in China, the mm -hmm. rise that they've had, some of the stuff that they've played. You look at other parties around the world that they want to be number one. Yeah. They want to be the top dog. They're coming after us, mm -hmm. who the U.S. is top dog. Yeah. I want somebody that's going to win up there. I don't care how they do it. If they're rude, that means the other side can't stand them, and then there's a chance that they would have the upper hand advantage. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't need to like the person. I just want to know, like, hey, are you capable of doing the job, putting us first, and getting us the best deal? Yeah. And not just being... Oh, we all need to hold hands to get along. So well, it, bullshit. It, it's shit always funny because they're like, the you world. know, they bring up and that, and this is not a um, a, a support for Trump thing or anything. It's just I'm trying to get through the mentality of your arguments. How they just to me they don't make sense. So one of the things that makes sense uh, that doesn't make sense to me is when they're like, you know, oh, Trump is so disrespectful. Trump. You know, doesn't pay his taxes. Trump has grown billions of dollars by doing this stuff. It's like, I don't know. I kind of want somebody like that with those mentalities running this country. Because he, if he did that for him, he's going to do that for this country. Where we're going to be sitting a very wealthy country. A very powerful country. You understand? So it's like, do I think that he's very politically incorrect? 1,000%. Do I believe that he's very disrespectful? 1,000%. Would I be best friends with the guy? Hell no. <laughs> I want to hang out with him. Right. No. Right? I'm like, just thinking that we talked that. about the debates. I was like, what do you think of the debate? I was like, it's exactly what I thought it was. Yeah, it was like, I exactly. Like, I don't like either one of them. It was oh. like, it was just, it was an entertainment to watch them just yell at each other back and forth. That's why it's like, my God, like, this is how we settle who is going to lead our country. And it goes back to your topic. We're like, there's got to be a different way. We got to find something else better to have these like two old dudes sitting there screaming at each other. Yeah. It's like, this is just, this looks bad. Well, one like, thing I, I recommend for you guys watching is check out uh bed, David podcast. And I know I'm, I'm recommending a, a clear competitor. We're neck and neck. <laughs> yeah, you only get like 2,700 people watching live around. No, the but anyway, um, but definitely check him out because in this his most recent one he did, he actually made a very good point of what he thinks a debate should be. He's like, a debate should be more like three hours, and the moderator should not be what this idiot was doing. It should be like more let them at each other, let them go, let them get all that crap out. So then we can focus on the real issues. You know what I mean? And let them pick what issues they want to talk about. You understand? So you he pretty much he says, give Trump 20 minutes to talk about whatever issue he wants to talk about. Then give Biden 20 minutes. If they want to talk about how bad the other one is, 
that's perfectly fine. Let him do it. But there, it, what his point was like, over the course of two hours, they're going to get through all that nonsense, and then they're going to have to talk about policies. Yeah. They're going to have to talk about real substance. They get tired. Right? Yeah, well, they're I mean, going to get tired. I would be, I would be like, because I know... Give, that obviously, hold on. Obviously, within an hour and a half, give Joe a 20-minute nap so he can last the rest. Okay. I'm okay, sorry. Okay, okay, it's okay. just like, it's funny because you look at him and even during the debate, I think he took like half-second power naps. Like, he just puts his head down and like his eyes closed. And I'm like, did he just nod off for like a second or two? Ignoring Trump. But uh, I would like I don't to think they should be that old. Well, I, I also, I think they should, yeah, they're, we, we talked about that in previous uh episodes and conversations mm -hmm. but i would like to see it where they the format's supposed to be you get two minutes interrupted you get two minutes interrupted i wish it would be exactly that it's like no the format is that this person can talk for five minutes the other side now needs to take notes and prepare thoughts on the fly about what that person's talking about and then actually talk substance mm -hmm. not just cut each other off back and forth because that happened both sides obviously more from trump than from biden but it, it's just like god can we just actually hear somebody talk because now the thing is like, oh, I don't want to silence somebody's vote. I want them to actually debate each other. Like, it's obvious the last several years that doesn't happen. Like, it needs to be like, your mic is off. You can't butt in and say anything. Like, somebody needs to take notes, not just off-the-cuff comments. I think that would be great to see. Yeah, I mean, David was doing a, he posted here, what about the phrase, character is who you are when no one's watching? I do think character and morality are important. That being said, when the choices are as they are, I'm still going to vote for the person who is going to do the best at the job and at the best at the job done. And that's something that I'm more looking at is do I want somebody that's respectful and all one thousand percent. But I don't want somebody. I think Trump is one thousand percent see through. Right. He wears his you know, opinions on his sleeve. The guy, we all know he does not think before he talks. I think it's more than evident. And I actually like that more because we're not guessing at, is he saying what I want to hear or is he saying what he's going to do, right? And he says what he's going to do. Can he do it or not do it? That's, you know, up to the other branches of government, which they should be. But you know that. And when you have somebody that's a smooth talker, like I believe I always said, if Obama, we were able to hire him, he would be great at PR. That guy was so smooth. I did love listening to him speak. You understand? I've, I went for Obama in 2008. I thought he was excellent. I think the way he debated, the way he carried himself, everything was awesome. That does not mean that he was going to do what was right for the country. I'm not saying he did or he didn't. I'm just saying, like, it's just because somebody can speak that way well, doesn't just, mean that, you know, they have the best interest, well, right? Most, I mean, you look at uh, politicians are great at saying what people want to hear to get the votes and then doing what they want to do and then just going back and trying to say, yeah, but I didn't do this because none of us have the time to go through and read every oh. single politician. When you look at these ballots and you're voting for... 20 people and it's like oh, it's i can't have the time to go through and research everyone i have to do these these fast clips yeah and stuff like that and it, that's what sucks and somebody put in here uh star put vote go to show the government how we feel don't kill me uh um, what does that mean gold libert uh libertarian oh well the color of I, I, I actually what i find shocking right is the fact that she does need to put in don't kill me right because nowadays if you're given an opinion on something that's not popular, 
my God, did you get crucified, right? And it's just, it's one of those things that I believe is so wrong because now you're, you're essentially censoring people from stating their opinion when it's an opinion. Don't get so freaking offended about an opinion. Like, oh my God, it's an, why can't we have an open, nice debate? And that's why these debates, I don't believe should be had on Facebook because the same way that you and I have gotten into kind of heated arguments through text <laughs> because you can't understand how somebody is typing something and how the other person is interpreting what you're typing. So sometimes we've gotten into our own arguments where we end up calling each other like, all right, what the fuck are you saying? And it's like, I, just no, I meant this. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I didn't take it that way at all. Yeah. Right. And it's like, you cannot gauge that. So when people go on, there, there are these, um, oh man, what do they call them? The keyword warriors that they go keyword on warriors, yeah. social media and they have all of these opinions and thoughts and everything. And it's really just opening arguments for nothing. And I even tell my wife how, you know, please, cause she, she can't help it sometimes. And she wants to co- comment just as I do a lot of times, but it's like, look, you cannot comment We're because talking. how many times you type a big old long message and reply yeah. and also you're like, oh, I feel better. <laughs> like delete it, not even hitting enter. Cause that's just going to go nowhere. Yeah. You're just adding to it at that point. And I don't even know how we got off on that topic. Uh, but I mean, it is, and I guess in voting gold, it's like, if there was, I wish there was another party that had the power that it had to where it's like, liberty, there's a libertarian candidate, I think it's Joe Jorgensen, of, I think it's who there, it's like, but it's like, they have no power because they are destroyed by the other two. Like yeah. they, they keep their duopoly that they have because they don't let a new person come up because they suppress it. All the media coverage is suppresses everybody else. So it's like, it's very hard. And like, God, I wish it would get to that point. But right now it's like, yeah, you can write it in. But I bet there's a lot of people who don't even know what libertarian even is. No. Or even there's, oh, there's a third candidate? Didn't know that. Well, so they just see it on a ballot and be like, oh, I've never even seen that. Well, and then the fact that it's that like out. you can be selected to run only if you raise the most amount of money. I mean, unless I'm confused, but it seems like that's how candidates are selected is who can raise the most amount of money. And that's what... Most of the arguments are when they picked, um, when Biden picked his VP, it's like, but she can't raise that much money. And I'm like, why the hell does that matter? Like, we're really going after, all that means to me is, all right, let's pick the candidate that can sell out better. You know what I mean? Because that's all that is, right? It's who who's going to give you the most amount of money? Companies, you know, anybody that can afford to buy you, Big Pharma, all of these people. So now it's like, all right, well, now they helped you become president. So... You know, it's kind of, you got to give something back to them. Yeah. So I think that's dangerous. And um, and I think Star made a great point. He is hated for being his authentic self. It's something we aren't used to seeing in politics. And that is true. That's what I was saying that, you know, politicians are, you know, they're smooth talkers. And But then it's like, yeah, but we don't know what the hell they actually mean by any of this. So I, lo- I love the, the talks on the chat and everything, guys. Keep going. Um, keep having conversation and please keep this clean and nice. We're not here to offend anybody. All we're pushing for is think for yourself. That's it. Constructive criticism and open debates. Yes. To where not just put your feet down and say, nope, you're wrong. It's like, well, let's actually have a conversation about it. We can, it's okay to disagree. 
Um, yeah. Well, I want to hear, we always bag on California a little bit. Um, so New York. Yeah. Let's talk uh, yeah, about New you, York. Your home state. Yes. Uh, your turn to like, talk talk some trash so, on their I still, I still love New York. I still have a lot of love for New York. I grew up there. Is um, If you eliminated food. It's more than food. <laughs> <laughs> so, I love the pause. Like, I got to think well, about that's that. that's a big elimination. Pretty good. <laughs> but New York has the best food. Because, again, I grew up with that food, right? People that yeah. grow up in California love tacos for whatever reason. Like, I grew up in New York. I love pasta, pizza, subs, or... or Long sandwiches for you guys. Um, but, <laughs> Long sandwiches. But, you know, I, I love the food. But besides that, it, it, New York has a special place in my heart. I grew up there. Um, it just, it, and it was solidified. It was when 9-11 happened. You know, seeing how people came together. I even get goosebumps every time I bring up 9-11. It's like, it, it's, it's beyond that. Whatever. I have a lot of love for New York. But I left because of the politics. We own the business of renovating houses and, uh, you know, a construction company with my family. And running a business there was impossible, damn near impossible to do because of the taxes, because of the laws, because of the rules. They were just hammering away at the way you run your business. And now New York is back at it again, where New York City, as you can see here, New York City restaurants will soon be allowed to add up to 10% surcharge to diners' bills. So what this means is this is not a tip. This is going to be a surcharge to help them with the recovery, right? So this is going to be a way for diners to help out restaurants make up the difference in lost revenue and everything because the government is not willing to step in and this is where it gets kind of tricky for me, right? Because it's like, I don't agree with printing money and doing all these stimuluses, right? And, and giving, you know, giving handouts. But then at the same time, it's like, well, if you shut down the economy, then you got to do something else. You can't shut down the economy and still say, well, you got to pay your bills still. Well, it's, it's also we said that before. Like, all right, you can now charge your customers an extra 10%. Mm -hmm. When they've already said... But you can only open up to 25% capacity, including your staff. Oh, and there's nobody actually going out to restaurants because all the people have left. So it's not the government actually being like, yeah, we have really kind of restricted your ability to conduct. We need to give you money. It's like, no, 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 no. We're still going to put this on the people that aren't coming to your place because we're restricting them coming to your place. You can now charge them an extra 10% because they're not hurting. It's like, come on. And then it's like, I personally, like, I hate it when somebody goes like, oh, we're going to force you to give a tip. And, and this isn't, I'm not talking about the situation, but when, like, any kind of restaurant, like, forces say, oh, well, you do a 10% uh, fee on I'm like, well, now I'm, like, I have to tip on top of that. Usually it's like, if you're forcing me to pay on top of the service you already provided, doing the job that you were hired to do, it's like, I'm just going to offset that and do my normal tip. Because now you're saying it's pandemic relief. And if you word it that way, they know it that yeah. way. I could see getting a good response that way, still getting the tips on top of that stuff to where the business can still like, all right, I'm going to raise my food costs a little bit. And then I'm going to charge 10% on top of it, try to recover. I just think it's like the government saying you can do this. It's like, yeah, you're just putting salt and injury to where it's like you can charge an extra 10% of the customers that aren't there because we're not allowing them to go. Ha ha. Egg. Well, that's, that's, that's the stuff is that even 
even before this bill, how many stories have we heard of of people going to restaurants and leaving a thousand dollar tip, right? Or leaving, you know, and it's not for the waiter or waitress, it's for the restaurant, you know, and they've given money. Like people have given tons of money to help out their local places. Yeah. I've dined at restaurants that are locally owned and I've left a nice tip for that for that person, right? Because and I and I try to go to locally owned restaurants as much as possible, dine there as much as possible to help them out because fortunately we ha we haven't been affected as much. But we go back to the same thing. You are starting to force people to do this and when people are like, "Hey, look, I can support you by coming and getting a burger or something every now and then, but now if you're going to start charging me more to come here, like I can't afford it. I can't yeah. come now." Well, now that's where when I I started first inclination they're going to start charging 10% for restaurants. I was like, okay, they're they're getting money because the restaurant obviously was hit very hard. Yeah. Like I thought they were going to charge ten percent on some other like the financial district that is recovering and doing well, getting yeah. a ten percent and then giving it to business owners. But then it's like, oh no, it's ten percent charged to the customers that aren't there. I was like, that was kind of useless. Oh like, yeah. What are you doing with that? So it's not just California; it's also New York now. So we'll. we'll yeah, back on them a little bit, um, but it just goes back to the same thing with you know that California is doing. It's like when you start forcing these fees and these things, and kind of like um, Oren says, you know, why doesn't the U.S. pretty much pay them the ten percent for every bill? Why does the customer have to pay? And that's exactly what we're saying, Oren. You know, it's it's one of those things that the government forced them to shut down, forced them to do the the twenty five percent. Capacity. Uh, capacity and that includes staff forced to shut down uh close restaurants and everything in new york city by like i think 11 p.m which is insane the city that never sleeps is closed down at 11 p.m um and i'm not saying this should or should not have happened the shutdown what i'm saying is that you cannot shut it down and then still force people to pay their bills when you just turned off every opportunity that they've ever had to pay their bills yeah. So that kind of ties into this, uh, the next article that you had put on there uh, on the San Antonio Business Journal. So this article, it may be harder for some of you guys to check it out later because you need a paid subscription. And if you are in San Antonio, you should have a, a subscription to this because they have some really, really good articles all the time. It's probably the, if we're here in San Antonio, it's the one news source that I consistently follow yes. of articles they put out. It's the San Antonio Business Journal. And it, it's a network of business journals like Austin Business Journal, Dallas Business Journal, Houston yeah. Business Journal. They have a nationwide poll, but each city is local, but they have a big organization that owns them all. And this is so not why, just because we've been featured on there three times. It's just more because <laughs> they, they're good articles. Sometimes, sometimes I'm Come on, it was funny. But they they did a, we'll a, the a decide. they did a a reader survey, um, and this is by their national uh, parent company. Yeah, this isn't just San Antonio. It wasn't just San Antonio. Yeah. That's why I wanted to make that clear that it's not. It's American City Business Journals is the company it's called. Um, the head company. Then each city has its own. So they they did a survey of business report revenue declines, diminishing cash reserves. So it's great because it has uh, little nice charts that they've put on here. But it's, you know, seven of 10 states, seven of 10 state their company revenues had declined since March due to COVID. Seven of 10 companies. That's 
That's a huge percentage of businesses where their revenues are declining. I was actually I'm part of a mastermind that we were talking yesterday and some of the business owners were saying that they would be happy if they could get anywhere near the revenue that they made last year. They're not even, you know, shooting anymore for hitting the uh, the their targets for this year of growth. They would be happy if they can hit that. And a lot of them they're like we know we haven't even come 50% close to what we made last year. And this is bad, right? This is bad for business because it's bad for employment. You can't hire people and you can't grow the, uh, you know, put people back to work if businesses are going broke. Yeah. And that's exactly what's stated in this article. And well, there's a lot of things stated in this. I mean, mm -hmm. that was like seven in 10 revenue has declined. That's nearly half of state. Their business hasn't been profitable during the pandemic. Another thing is like one third have not been able to stay cash flow positive during the, the pandemic. To where, yes, revenues declined, but are you still cash flow positive? But that, that one third is 800 participants. Like 800 businesses, 800 companies are not cash flow, they're cash flow negative. That's a large amount of businesses. That well, is no, a, I said seven out of 10 revenues declined. No, right underneath that. Of the roughly 800 participants who said, okay, so 30% of them. So 800 participated. Woo! I was about to say, that's a large number. I was like, no, number. no, 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 let's get this right. Yeah, let's yeah. Right. I was like, that's the, a well, large one number. One thing that stands out to me the most is like one third have not been able to stay cash flow positive. Yeah. That's the portion. And it's disproportionately down among small businesses that are the ones that are going cash flow negative. And that is one that like small businesses are, like we talked about at the very beginning, they can't go out and get the loans. They can't go out and get the bonds. They can't go out and reach the financial services that these big companies can have. To where, yes, a big company's running cash flow negative, but they can go out and raise $100 million yeah. to sustain for a longer period of time. To where, when they're running that negative, and they can only do that for so long, to where it went on to talk about, uh, among the businesses that are cash flow negative, about two-thirds say savings will run dry within five months. To where it's like, yeah, yeah, you can't run negative as a small business for very long before you drain all your business savings and us as small business owners we're not hired corporate employees that are basically w2 of our own company like mm -hmm. it's our life livelihoods we pump money back into these things of our personal savings to where that can't go on for very long to where yeah businesses are going to go down and they are going to go under to where and those numbers aren't in unemployment rates yeah because your business owners traditionally under the cares act they could but now that that's expired can't I don't think they can go out and get unemployment anymore. So that is those numbers that scare me more than the eight percent unemployment rate because you have these people that if their business go out in three to five months, those numbers don't reflect. Yeah. But you will see them eventually reflect because now their employees can go out and get unemployment. So you could see that rise uh, from that aspect, and that that is the part that is worrisome uh, to me more than anything. <clears throat> well, and kind of what we see coming up is also. We have we're reading um, another article that of course you won't do that. And um, on this article is pretty much saying how airlines are hours away from cutting more than thirty thousand jobs without billions, billions more in federal aid. Well, I think it was today, like as of November the first. Uh, yeah, yeah, as hours. This came out yesterday. So I think their bailout that they got under the CARES Act, they said you could not lay any off anyone off until September first. Well, that was yesterday so now people are officially being laid off and they're and it's it's big 
uh, numbers. Like you got, um, I mean, thirty thousand from the airlines. Yeah. I think it was Disney came out and said they're laying off twenty eight thousand people. Disneyland. Disneyland. Um, and it's like that, that's again a lot. Disneyland is in California. Just if you didn't know, so Disney's and then they said it directly. They're like California won't allow us to open up. We're having to let go of nearly thirty thousand employees. And that's what I think because uh, one of our next topic or we had in here was this new deal that uh, they're trying to strike. Uh, the Republicans wanted to originally only give three hundred dollars in extra unemployment. Democrats wanted to give six hundred. Yeah. And now the Republicans and their new proposal have risen theirs. Democrats have come down, so now they're within I think like. A trillion dollars of each other. Well, so but, uh, uh, hold on. Uh, uh, but uh, let me finish my point. Uh, damn it! Don't okay. cut me off. <laughs> but I think that's why Democrats are pushing so hard, and it's why they're sticking points is the extra six hundred dollars a month is because where are the most of your blue states? It's the east and the west coast. Mm -hmm. Where is the most expensive portion of the country to live? East and west coast. Yeah. To where your middle countries get or middle states can survive a little better on $400 so, a month. So wait a second. Are you saying that the stimulus is politically driven? No. Oh, I'm saying, oh. That. I'm saying Woo! mathematically Man. driven. Man, uh, like, this cannot be politically driven. The, the, there is such a sticking point for some of the stuff <laughs> between them is the Republicans are like, look, $400 is well enough for our states. Yeah. And the Democrats are saying, no, 400 is not enough for those people because I think it was equivalent of somebody getting the $600 plus max unemployment benefit, depending on the states, they were making somewhere between forty dollars and $50,000 just off unemployment mm. to where you can live a pretty damn good lifestyle for fifty grand here in Texas. But if you live in Los Angeles, fifty grand is barely above the poverty line out there. So that's why I think they're pushing. Uh, I wouldn't those. even thought that it was above the poverty line out there. <laughs> but I think that's why they are pushing for a lot of that stuff and they're sticking there. So is, are they going to come to a deal? I mean, they've been stuck at these, these points. They're kind of coming through. I, I saw last night that the Democrats did, went ahead and pushed through the $2.2 trillion. It passed 214 to 207 well, votes. Well, it, it, it passed the House. Yeah. And this is what's, what's interesting is that, as you guys can see here in this article, again, all the links are below. And we've talked about it before. So make sure to check out the previous episodes on this uh, where we're given the other articles. But they passed it for $2.2 uh, price tag. And although um, they've reduced it, like they say on there, no Republican voted for the Democratic plan. So that's pretty much dead in the Senate. It's not going to go through. Although 18 Democrats voted no. Because many of the Democrats, they're pretty much saying the same thing. They're like, we know that Pelosi's bringing out plans that are not bipartisan. And that she knows are not going to go through. Democrats are saying this. The same Democrats from the House are saying Pelosi's bringing out a, a stimulus package that she knew was dead. And the Republicans, the the ones that um, the negotiators from Trump's side are saying, if you put out a plan for one point six trillion, we will approve it. Right? They gave a number, one point six trillion. So, what is this all saying? Is again, this is political. They're, what oh. they're trying to show is like, look, the Republicans don't want to help you out. And look how much we're trying to do. But at the same time, it's like, but you you know this was dead. This was completely pointless. This whole time you spent on this, you know it wasn't going to go anywhere. Yeah, It didn't even pass negotiations. So then it's like, what is the purpose? What is the point of all this? All you're doing is just I, wasting time. I have no time. idea what the point of it is. And one thing that is worrisome, and I read it, I can't remember which side of the aisle they were on. 
Uh, but a senator came out and said, he's like, if we don't reach a deal now before the elections, he's like, there will be no deal. He's like, even no matter what side wins in November 3rd, the hysteria that's going to happen afterwards, he's like, in the gridlock that's yeah. going to come from that, he's like, there's going to be no chance of any kind of deal. And this is the thing that we've been talking about. Or I, my point was like, I think there could be a V-shaped recovery if they either keep pumping money in or they stop pumping money in, they open the economy up and let things start to recover. Well, yeah. now neither one of those things is happening. And it's like, now that is what gets worrisome because now you're really, this economy is sucking money out of it because the thing I talk about, the velocity of money is not happening like it needs to for an actual recovery. Because yeah. that's why I think we were getting those big boosts in unemployment as money was moving back in the economy. People were figuring out how to transact commerce and it was shifting, but it was needing that economic stimulus to make that transition. But now that money has run out, the extra unemployment benefits has disappeared for over two months or two months now yeah. to where that is become worrisome. But they can't get along. And it's obvious that the vaccine isn't ready, that states aren't opening up. And people are saying even if the vaccine comes out, they're not going to get it. It's like now that becomes very economically scary for, yeah. for me. And oh, that's sure. one thing that that was my worst fears of is this going to recover? How fast is it going to blow over if these things happen? And this would be the worst case scenario. And it's that they didn't open up and money's not flowing to the economy. Well, and, and that was always my point when this whole thing started, because, again, I, I love studying human psychology. And knowing that it was a political, uh, it was a presidential election year. So it's, well, not just a presidential election. There's a lot of elections going on this year, but it's an election year. There's a lot of politics behind this. You add a shutdown, you add unemployment, you add all this. And when people are like, oh, this is going to bounce back. You're going to see and all this. I'm like, I don't see how. Because they're go everybody's going to use this to their advantage pol politically. And just not let it die. Yeah, and not let it die. And so now it's like, People say, oh, after the election, things are going to get better. First of all, with these uh, mail-in ballots, right, that, they're, that that's what they want to do, which <laughs> what I just find funny is that according to the media, of course, it's okay to go out and protest Black Lives Matter and, you know, all the other stuff that's going on, injustices and all that. That's okay to do. But it's not okay to go out and vote. So you should mail that in. Even though that, you can go show up pretty much early voting you can put people six feet apart. They can be wearing masks. It couldn't be any safer, but that's not safe. Going out and protest and not wear a mask, that's fair. That's well, safe. Like, to me, it's like, okay, so now you have the mail-in ballot. So, so they're saying that it could take months to finish counting all the mail-in ballots. So we might not even know an outcome to this election until next year. So this is not going to be oh, over no. yeah. after the elections. Well, this is going to take quite some well, time. Just like saying like, oh, they're trying to make it where uh, mail-in voting is harder to do. I was like, I don't give a damn. Like, I have tried to mail stuff to Austin, Texas, 90 miles up the road yeah. by the via USPS, the Grand USPS service, and it never showed up. Disappeared. It took us four weeks to get a letter from Colorado to here. Yeah. Via regular mail. It's like multiple, multiple, multiple times that I've tried to use the postal service and it's just been abysmal and it just disappeared. Or it just, when the person got the letter or the check or whatever it was we were trying to do, it looked like it went through a freaking washing machine. Yeah. And this is like, my God, what did you do with it? Th wash it, then throw it in a dryer, let it tumble around a little bit, then throw it back in there? Yeah. Like, it just would disappear for a while. So it's like, this was a problem before you add all this stuff to it. And like, 
It was already already terrible. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about now they're trying to make it worse? Like, just let it be as it is and it's terrible enough. So, I, yeah. I don't know. Like, the whole mail-in thing is just like, oh, so, man, that's a... So, I mean, kind of going to that point, it's just that. It's like, this election, everybody's hope for everything, all of this being over after the elections, that might be true. But we just don't know when the elections are going to be over. We don't know when that's going to be decided. And then, let's say, let's give a hypothetical that Biden gets elected, right? They've doubled down so much on COVID that they can't just open up the economy. You know, because it would literally mean that, you know, everything they've been saying before is fake, right? It's false. It, it doesn't matter. So they have to continue that. So they got to wait for a vaccine. So if we go to the CDC and all these other doctors, they're like, vaccine? I mean, we'll be lucky if we get a vaccine by next summer. And then you add to that how most people, they said it could take six to nine months to fully vaccinate the whole country, the whole U.S., uh, not including the rest of the world, just the U.S., and then you have, what was it, 70% of people were saying that they wouldn't even take the vaccine, at least from the poll, right? We yeah. don't know, you know, the overall. But at least from the poll, they're saying about 70% would not take the vaccine. So it's like, what? when is this going to even be over? And now we have a very, very dear friends that work for uh, the airlines. And I apologize. <laughs> but screw the airlines. They should not be getting bailed out. They're not going to be productive anytime soon. When should you bail out the airlines? Whenever the damn vaccine is created and people start actually traveling. Until then, I'm sorry. You're going out of business. You've got to shut down. You understand? Because it's like, what are we paying them for? To keep pilots on standby? Like, that's insane. That's an insane amount of money. Going well, into an industry they, that they, they is not going to be working. They adjusted, though. They Instead of laying people off, I, I read an article uh, that what United did is they negotiated with the unions to everybody take reduced pay and reduced hours. Yeah. To keep Because the issue is is it's the amount of money it costs to train a pilot. If they lay off and they hire back, they can't just meet to go flying pilots uh, planes next week. Like they have to go through hours and hours and hours and months of retraining, recertifying to get the, the test pilots down to make sure their skills are sharp. So that's the thing why they're keeping pilots on the payroll is because it costs so much money to retrain them and it takes so long okay. to retrain them. You can't get a handout then. But it, it's one of the things like what United did is like they negotiated with everybody saying, okay, instead of laying off like the bottom third or bottom half, uh, how I interpret it at least, it's saying that we're going to keep everybody on the payroll but reduced hours. Get enough, just enough flight time in. To not let their training lapse to have to go back and do that stuff. So they're div dividing up the hours. So like, see, now they're coming up with their own solutions doing what the free market actually does. How it's, shocking. Yeah, it's like, it's, okay, we're not going to get bailouts of billions of dollars. So how do we keep our business afloat and make the best financial de decisions for us and not make the taxpayer pay us? They put that stuff, they, they adjusted. They figured it out. They're, they're doing something to yeah. survive their company. It's like... Shocking how that works when you don't give well, money, how companies actually try to stay in business. You know, I was listening to an interview with uh, Gary Vaynerchuk and um, Gary B. Um, and he was saying how it's funny how everybody loves the free market. Everybody loves capitalism. But when their business is hurting, give me money. Bail me out. Right. It's like, hey, if you're such an entrepreneur, why don't you go fix this? Yeah. Why don't you create a business that can thrive in this? Why don't you optimize your business so it can thrive in this? It's like, oh, no, everything's hurting. Pay me now. You know what I mean? Now your capitalism and free market went way out the window. 
and you went straight socialism and take care of me. I don't want to do anything. Yeah. Where what have we been doing? We've set up a business so we make sure if bad times came, we wouldn't be put out of business. And we made sure that, okay, if bad times come, what can we do in our business? You know, how can we pivot? How can we grow? How can we scale? How can we change? We're always asking that because we're not dependent on government handouts. We're not hoping for government handouts. You understand? We're hoping for our own ability that created this business to get us out of this out of this whole crisis that we're going in. Again, to state the point that I've said before, this does not mean that it's okay that the government shuts everything down and then says, but you still owe every bill. Like, I think there needs to be something that's like, all right, you shut the government down, bills need to be shut down too. I'm sorry. Like, mortgages well, are no the, longer due, rents are no longer due, electric payments are no longer due. Like, that is one of the things they are trying to down. figure out in these, these new bills is they are including rent assistance and mortgage assistance for landlords. So it was one of those like, oh, so you finally figured it out that you can't just like, it's like, nope, no mortgages due, no rents are, or no rents are due. Tenants don't have to pay. And <laughs> Joey Lopez says, uh, but bailouts are bipartisan. <laughs> yeah, we've seen how bipartisan they are, man. Uh, I think the only first bailout was bipartisan. After that, it's just been all politics. Yeah. To where it, it's, I don't know, it's a very interesting uh, thing, but they now are starting to figure that out to where it's like, okay, you can't say no rents are due for this long period of time and then still expect tent or people that own those things to pay the banks because that's where you get that that cap uh under capitalization issue when yeah. banks start running i was like we're not getting our money back from our tenants now it's like you just you it's a death spiral that kind of builds on itself thousand percent so it's like you gotta have some ability to like okay rental assistance okay we will pay the mortgage for you or the uh, or the rents to the landlords and so landlords can pay their mortgages because that's where it can become a very slippery slope um, heading down. So, so Joe, all right, Joey, I'll read your post. Um, whether it's in the form of loans or tax breaks, um, tax breaks for the rich are bailouts. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, I think so both the mom and Trump yeah, have provided them a hundred percent. And he says, do we want no federal services? Mm, what do you mean by that, federal services? Like, I'm, I, again, I'm not saying that bailouts are terrible. All I'm saying is that we need to think through these bailouts a little more and understand that it can't be just, you know, let's bail out whoever's going to vote for us. And let's actually think through how this trickles down from what companies, what organizations, what employees, what consumers, right? Who are the consumers that move the economy? Then who are the, what is the economy that moves everything? Who are the people that supply what we need? So it's like, you got to start thinking through all of these things and understand like where this bailout needs to go and not just print money and give the $1,200 check to every American. It's like, not every American should have received a $1,200 check. You understand? Like, it, like, that should have been, you know, I get it. At the time, shit was happening. They needed to just dump money into the economy. But that money didn't get managed correctly. How many businesses have we heard of that were actually really struggling, weren't able to get any funding, and then businesses that we know personally weren't struggling and got a ton of money? Well, I mean, Joey, just put it here. It's like, I believe bailouts are not great options. 
Yeah, options, they favor sectors and lobbyists. 100%. Thousand, like, yeah. I, I, and I, I just, and it, it's reinforcing bad behavior to me. Yes. For just sure. now, like, the you bank. Build, 2000, you build a bad business. Here's yeah, I mean, it's, it's happened numerous times. You look at, the, I think it's Amtrak. Uh, was one that was in uh, the creature from Jekyll Island, where he mm-hmm. talked about how they got bailed out and by the government because they spread the lobbyists spread fear that oh my god if you guys don't bail us out we're laying off two hundred thousand employees and now we wow. can't transport goods they fear monger yeah so then the government comes and bails them out and now it becomes a government owned entity and then it runs at a negative forever and I think a Lockheed Martin was another one that got a huge bailout that the government stepped in and basically bought Lockheed Martin. And now it's a quasi-public um, company owned by the government but run by capitalism. It's just a, it's just a lot of waste that happens when we do that stuff. Yeah. So we're like 2008 when you see like banks got bailed out because they gambled with the, the, all these loans. They followed these, uh, these stipulations that they put out for these liar loans. They made a lot of bad investments. And then the government came in and said, taxpayers get to fund your bad behavior. And not a single person went to jail. And bonuses got paid paid out to these high-level corporate executives when it's like, no, you should have been fired. Yeah, You should have been like, you were the reason this caused this, knowing this was going to happen. But it, it becomes like, it, you by doing that, you make every incentive to become too big to fail to where the government can't let you shut well, down to where they have to give you money and, and, bailouts. And in 2008, the banks that caused all these bad loans, all of these things, went to work for the government afterwards. They were brought in as advisors to help fix the crisis. So the people that actually caused the crisis and caused the the housing bubble and everything, now were hired by the government and asked for advice to fix it. I was like, how is this making any sense to anybody? And that's exactly what you're saying. Now they become so impossible to fail that they need to get bailed out. But who the hell is going to bail them out? It's the federal government. It's the Fed. They're not even the federal government. The Federal Reserve is doing it. Their balance sheet just keeps growing. They own like a third of the mortgages now. They've printed like just trillions. Their balance sheet went up again. Yeah. Interest rates are damn near zero. And it's like, who's going to bail out the Federal Reserve next? I don't, I, hell, I don't know. That's what we talked about last week. I'm just like, you know what? Just everyone's going to come together and be like, okay, let's just wipe away a bunch of debt across the slate. And like, who gets hurt then? It's like your, your developing countries, your uh, third world countries and stuff like that, because they don't get bailouts. They don't have, they're, they're dependent on other countries. And then all of a sudden they come across and say, we're just going to wipe away a bunch of people's debt. And it's like, yeah, that's not going to be good either. But it might come to that. I have no idea. So let, let, let's move on to pretty much the, the topic that we've been wanting to get to. Um, this one's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> smash that like button. <laughs> yeah, yeah, smash that like button. Um, we saw a documentary this past week called The Social Dilemma. It's on Netflix. Um, actually, it's everywhere. I saw. I think I saw it everywhere on YouTube. Like, just search for it. I think it's literally everywhere online. It's going viral. I thought it was an excellent documentary. Um, it, it was. A, it was very entertaining. Uh, very... Well, it's also. It's funny we talk about it afterwards. You and I are on different ends of that. Uh... Yeah, we both thought it was good, but mm-hmm. for different reasons. Yeah. Oh, a hundred. Well, yeah. I, I agree with. Um, yeah, where you and I disagree is on the solution, right? So, yeah, you, so, you go first, and I'll tell you why you're wrong. Well, <laughs> why you think. Why so, 
here's some um, some stats from the documentary, right? That I found completely shocking is they have this new thing out that's called Snapchat dysmorphia. So Snapchat dysmorphia is when page, patients are desperate to resemble their doctored selfies. So that means that they're taking a selfie, they're putting all this filter and everything, making themselves look like they don't look like in real life, and they're going to a surgeon to say, make me look like this. Yep. Like, that is just beyond insanity to me. That is beyond insanity how superficial a lot of these kids are becoming and going through a level where they say 72% of plastic surgeons saw an increase of patients under 30. Under 30. I mean, seeking facial cosmetic procedures. Plastic surgery is not covered by insurance. That's like, and that's not cheap to do. So people are like getting money, spending their life savings doing this because, and that is my, like, one of my biggest, like, hatreds towards social media is like, it's creating this perception of like what we need to look like. And it's creating massive amounts of depression. And like one of the stats they put in that article is like, you can pretty much see exactly when social media really hit mainstream was like 2011 or 12 or something like that. Right. But you could see when childhood depression just started skyrocketing. Alcoholism started skyrocketing. Suicide rates, the biggest one, started skyrocketing all around that same period of time to where it's like, yeah, and there's no accountability to these platforms Mm -hmm. to really give a damn about what they're doing because of the way they were built. Because it was even crazy to see, like, they didn't even know how to monetize Facebook. They brought a guy in who's like chief of monetization or something Mm -hmm. like that. Of like, all right, we have all these people and how do we monetize? And it became the advertising stream towards we have to get people extremely addicted to this. We have to get people constantly on here so we can sell ads. And it creates these death spirals that people get sucked into to where they're super addicted to their cell phones and their image they have to create to where you hear people like they're buying likes. Or they put something up, they don't get enough likes, they get hate speech, they take it down, and they put something else up. Because they showed a little video on that thing where like this little little girl took a picture of herself, she wasn't getting likes, took it down, doctored herself up on Snapchat or whatever platform she was yeah. quote unquote, using at the time, they didn't call one out, put it back up, started getting likes again. Yeah. And it's just like, that's not good, that's not healthy. And how fast these platforms can pivot and shift, like there's... People can't stay on top of it, in my opinion. Like it's like that's why I liked it for the fact that like okay, I'm not weird because I haven't even like used social media platforms in a long time because I saw how addictive they can be, and how it's like God, I'm just sitting here scrolling, 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 and I'm not doing anything productive with my time, but getting stuck to this platform, not getting any substance to it, and it's like you just get this very slow dopamine dump of just sitting here and just. So I, I think you made an excellent point of saying so i'm not weird and that kind of goes off on the point that i make on all this which is everybody's looking for approval Ooh, i like that do we get to vote which job yeah. we agree with so todd uh, uh, everybody listening uh just listen to the debate and then at the end uh you can vote bar b-a-r-r if you agree with the uh, harry john and j-o-n just john if you agree with the good looking john so, um, <laughs> but yes, you can most definitely vote. I would love to hear what you guys think.
Um, right, I mean, but is, my, my is thing debate. is that it, it's more of, you know, everybody. So here's my argument with all this. Instead of using social media, you're letting social media use you, right? So I don't, I don't subscribe to somebody needs to do something. I never have. I cannot subscribe to that. I subscribe to more of you need to do something and take responsibility for your own life and for your actions. Nobody's forcing you to download the app. Nobody's forcing you to watch it and to spend numbness hours so you feel like you're connected to people. Nobody's forcing you to do any of that. You're doing that to yourself. Mm -hmm. You understand? And we are just, as a society, again, we are just not taking responsibility for the control that we have in our own lives to just say no and don't do it. I never had social media until I started my business. I, if you look back on my Facebook, there is absolutely nothing until I started my business. You understand? Because I did not care about social media. I do not care what you're doing with your family, what you're doing with your cats, what's happening in your life, how pretty your filters are. I could give two shits about your life. I've always been interested in my own life and my own things. So I never had it. And even now, I get family and friends that always ask me, oh, did you see my post? Did you see my this? No, I don't follow any family and friends. The only people I follow are people in my industry, people I care to learn from, and that's it. And if whenever they decide to put something about their family, I just scroll right past it. Anything I look on my feed, it's about my business. It's about things that I'm interested in learning about. And every time during election time, what I love is as soon as I start seeing people put in political posts, they get unfriended. Okay, by so me. but now the, the whole premise of this documentary is mm -hmm. like, is social media good for the people? society or is it bad i subscribe that it, i think it is detrimental to human psychology and our society as a whole to being of the type that we are a pack style of economy people like where we like to be social we like to be around people yep. we like that camaraderie and this pandemic has shown exactly that are people are getting depressed sitting in their rooms by themselves and they can't go out and interact mm -hmm. that's where i think social media exacerbates and moves people towards of just like I, I i feel like i'm connecting with people but i'm not getting that real connection yeah. and when you amplify that across the entire world i think it's going to put people into a state of mind where you can see that when studies are done people are more depressed after getting off social media than being on social media and because, i agree because it yeah. is so damn fake and i agree and and i'm not arguing with the studies what i'm arguing with is is social media good or bad? I don't think it matters. What I think matters is that people are not being taught the right self-esteem and the right things at home. And now we're letting social media and the outside world raise our kids into these insecure kids, into these kids that are stressed out, that are committing suicide. I mean, when I was looking at those, uh, and please watch the documentary, they have the charts and everything. When I was seeing the suicide rates of kids you know, because of their self-esteem, it, it, it broke my heart because I'm thinking about my kids, right? And I'm thinking like, that falls on the parents. When are you teaching your kids some responsibility and some self-esteem that they don't have to go on Instagram and find it there? Teach them some self-worth that they're not needing to find but, it online. But when it comes, and this is my stark thing with it, it was like, it took off. 
and it grabbed hold, and it grabbed a hold of an entire society, not just the kids first. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's like, it's everybody, and nobody has to do it, and it's manipulative. It's like, would they have manipulated the economy to a point that you can't, you can damn near not survive in this economy without having some form of social media accounts yes. of some sort? It's like, and that's where I think this is bad. It is a very manipulative uh, technology. It's a very, it's apparent that we're addicted to the screens, the way the, the brain works when you light those 100%. screens up and the things that you see across that to where, yes, kid, you need to go out and build self-esteem, go out and play with your friends, but nobody is outside playing. They can't go out and build no, self-esteem because no, nobody I, is. No, that, that's a, see, that's the problem that I have is when everything is so black and white to people that, oh, but how's my kid going to play when nobody's playing? Bullshit. There's people playing outside. There are kids playing outside. It's just that it's easier as a parent to be a lazy fuck and have your kid in front of a screen than to actually go out there, do the research, find where can you put your kid that they can make friends, where can social activities, sports, anything. There's a ton of them. Even right now, during COVID, there's a ton of them because we are looking at for um, for my five-year-old. And parents, they're like, yeah, but, you know, now I got to go and, and spend an hour over there. I got to drive my kid across town. I got to do that. It's like, then don't bitch when your kid, you know, does something terrible because you didn't build the right self-esteem because you were too tired to care for your kids. You understand? Like, again, I do not believe in blaming a, a thing about how your kids are being raised about how we are interpreting all this. And then when parents say, well, you know, this social media came so fast and it hit everybody so fast that we haven't adapted. Okay, I agree with that. I agree with that premise, but it's already been well over a decade. At some point, you got to give two shits and start learning. But it keeps evolving. Of That's course it keeps evolving. It keeps evolving to stay in that yes. so new, yeah. grabbing everything, new apps come out that it's like, you just can't move against this stuff to where like you're trying to win, trying to educate. But then when you say get off the apps, you want you want uh, privacy. Mm-hmm. Like don't use the apps. It's like yeah. you can't use you can't be in today's economy without using these things. How? So Why it's not? Like, like if you're a business owner, where are you going to market? But you're a you business want? owner. You should not be scrolling through Facebook looking for cat videos. You're not on Facebook as a business owner looking for cat. But videos. they are. You but see it much differently. I understand like, because you need to learn to use social media and not be used by social media. If you don't have self-control, that's your problem. But that's the, not the platform's problem. But the, that's sort of thing. It's not the platform's problem. I'm not blaming them, but I do think it should be regulated to some extent to where you aren't targeting people to where you can't. Because that, that was the, an, an issue they used. Saturday morning mm-hmm. was for kids and cartoons. It was very heavy regulated of what you could market to those children during commercials on Saturday mornings. Yes. Social media came out, no regulations of what you can market to 10-year-olds. How you can manipulate and turn 10-year-olds. What you could show on social media, what could appear on their feeds. To where a 10-year-old can end up watching yeah. some video go down massive rabbit holes. Next thing they know, they're on YouTube watching. Um, I mean, this is a terrible example, but it can happen. Like Islamic State stuff. They're, they've gone down a rabbit hole and gotten to some place they should not be as a 10-year-old because social media. And they even said it. It's like it's not a person trying to do this. It's the way the algorithms work. It's to keep, they've built something that can be so manipulative to where they can start over here on A and now they're over on Z. Cause I mean, it's happened to me. It's happened to everybody where you're watching something and I don't know where you're like, how the hell did I get onto this topic? Or where, where did this go that I started? I wanted to read an article about, or I wanted to watch YouTube on how to fix something. 
And next thing you know, you're over here on uh, some new social movement or something like that because that's what's filling it. So mm -hmm. that's my problem with it, especially towards young people because they get on it. It's being forced to keep them here, there mm -hmm. and where they adapt, they find something new. Where do you think this progression of when Instagram came out, there were no filters? Well, then the platform started to lose popularity. Boom, new filters come out that you can manipulate people. So now more people are using them and that mm -hmm. dies down. Then boom, something else comes out to keep that new thing there. Right. And it's like, and that is my problem that it is unregulated. And when they use that example, it was perfect to me of just saying like, yeah, you had all the regulations about Saturday mornings and cartoons. I remember growing up, it was all. But did you think you had those regulations when cartoons first came out from day one or they came with time? Well, I think because they, they have them now on social media. They you can't market to kids. YouTube came out with the one that if it's under 13 years old, you got to state that it's uh, uh, applicable to kids under 13. And YouTube's heavily regulating all of that. So social media is making adjustments. It's just they've taken time to adjust to those things because things evolve, things change. So going back to my question, at what point do the parents become at fault? At what point... Like I said, a kid that's 10 years old should not have access to social media. They're still developing. They're still figuring themselves out. They're still growing. Why are you giving that kind of power to your kid? You understand? Why are you allowing them to have that ability? I don't understand that. Why as a parent? Don't get them a damn I, smartphone. I, I, get them a flip phone. I, it I does agree. the same thing. I agree that since that I think it's a combination of both. That you need to have parent accountability, but you do need to have some oversight to some of these platforms on how they are manipulating people into getting them to do what they want to stay on these platforms. And it's like, because it, 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 they're disincentivized the way the capitalism does work to care about the shareholder's price. They have to keep people on there. So where they say, yes, this would be the good thing to do morally for society, but for our shareholders, it's not the best choice. So where is that balance that they have to go? Yeah. And to where like, it, it is very- It's not regulation. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't, again, I don't subscribe to the thought that I need to be told what's good for me and what's so, not but good for me. If there was no regulations, YouTube would not be monitoring kids then. The only They'll reason they're do starting it to do this stuff, they, I don't think they would. But they would because now you start having more people saying, all right, no, you're not going to use YouTube because there, there's stuff that's not there for your age, right? So then YouTube's going to be like, oh shit, we just lost a large population of our audience because parents, are parenting their kids. Surprising fact. I don't and think it would happen. I don't think. Uh, yeah, I don't think I don't, parents will. Uh, I don't know. I don't think parents would even know about it unless somebody stepped in with these studies and stuff like that. They're like, and I'm not saying studies shouldn't be done. I'm not saying these things shouldn't be brought to light. I'm just saying it should not be regulated by somebody telling you what you should or should not watch. If we want to regulate this, why are we not regulating the media then? Media does the same exact thing. They influence your thought. They manipulate the way you think and you, the way you vote, the way you act, the way you raise your kids, and they put out fake news that they, afterwards well, they're correcting. It's, it's like the a, same thing. It's they like have, a, kids have access to the news. They don't watch news, though. They, they, they don't see 10 it. years watching Fox News or CNN or anything like that. It's like they're on these social media apps. So where like the regulation comes down to where it's like, should people be allowed to drive drunk? That's a regulation. That was legal up until a certain point, and people fought the hell out of it. Until it came out, it's like, and it was better for society for that aspect. Okay. It's like, like you have, it's like, it was legal to do. Mm -hmm. Government said, no, you can't do this. People fought back. And then by the time it came across, it was better for society as a whole. Without mm -hmm. the government stepping in and making those regulations, 
it was it would have stayed detrimental. Same thing with seatbelts. Like uh, it took them like ten years to get seatbelts passed. I mean, it's a law that you have to wear a seatbelt. You have to include the seatbelts in the car. Yeah. It's like at first, and like you can't argue that that wasn't good for society. Being like people can't drive drunk and people need to wear seatbelts. And okay, it was regulators yeah, that stepped in to do I don't, that. I don't see well, how are you correlating wearing seatbelts, something that can physically haul you, throw you through the windshield, and probably kill somebody else, to you being able to just not download the app. How is that the same thing? Like, I mean, this is you know, it's the same premise because you have you have a you have a behavior mm-hmm. in society, and right now it's whether not wearing seatbelts, driving drunk, or downloading social media, spending a lot of time on it. Mm-hmm. So now as those things develop and grow, you see the detriment that is coming to a certain subsection or a society as a whole. And then yeah. like, and they're not incentivized to do anything about it because being incentivized or making changes, it's like, no, we're making these giant profit models. And it's like, why would I want to spend money to change what is working but now? Look, look but at- now the regulations come in yeah. and they say, this is not good. None. It's bringing it to light. We need to make some form of change. It's like, yeah, you can't drive drunk. Yeah, you need to wear seatbelts. Yeah, you can't, uh, under a certain age, you can't that, You can't market to these people. You can't say these certain things. You can't download these types of things. And as time went on, 10 years later, society was like, shit, that was a good idea. I'm glad we did that. No, and so that's why I, I, I think the correlation is completely off. I think comparing seatbelts to social media is, is completely off because... Physical health versus mental health. No, because mental health is up to you. You know what I mean? Like somebody driving drunk is not up to you. You know, if somebody's driving that person drunk, driving drunk, of course. But that's that's why it should be a law because they can cause you harm. But somebody being on Facebook cannot cause you harm. Uh, yeah, they can. Well, they're, they, they're they're exa- mentally ill. Well, no, it's like that is exactly what it does: is people on top of people hurting other people emotionally, like, if, mentally. Yeah, and then turning yeah. and then it's turning into physical. The stat you just had that picture on your phone of like suicide rates, depression rates skyrocketing around yep. that time. It's like it is turning into a physical thing where it is hurting our society to where but now the government is having to step yeah, in. But it's on the government. It goes radar. back to the same like going to a doctor. They give you a pill to treat the symptom, not the cause. Regulation doesn't help the cause. It helps the symptom. That's why I don't agree with it. When when um the the Congress or whoever that brought Facebook and they threw Facebook, Google, and they were smacking them all over the news, right, with all the bad shit that they were doing with privacy and everything. What happened? People saw that that they weren't thinking about before. They saw that and they're like, "Oh, screw this!" Ton of people deleted Facebook. A ton of people started realizing, like, "Hey, they're getting your privacy. Make well, sure to do all this." Because... Hold on, hold on, hold on. And then Apple now comes out with updates. That is prohibiting a lot or letting you know which apps are pulling your data or, or uh, violating your privacy. So now no regulation needed to come up on that. What needed to be done is shown a light on it. Hey, this is what this is happening. This is what this is doing. And then people, I have faith in people should trust and, and, and do the things that they find right for themselves. Not coming again. This is the same with the California shit. The same with the New York stuff. When politicians come in and say, look, you're stupid, so sit there and we're going to tell you what you need to be doing. Because now, when do those regulations stop? When does it stop that they're telling you what you should be consuming and not? I mean, that's exactly what, you know, Russia, China, and all of them do. They tell you what to consume and what you can't consume. I don't want that. 
I don't mind a light being sh uh, shined on all these issues. I think they these doc. That's why I said this documentary is awesome. It was an awesome documentary because it brought to light a lot of the real issues with social media, and there are real issues. And I agree with these issues one thousand percent. What I'm saying, what I'm against uh, on is regulating these platforms in those levels. I think you should shine a light to them. Maybe even find them if you want. Whatever you want. But when you start regulating, where does that stop? Where does that regulation stop? You understand? And where does that stop in your personal responsibility for saying, you know what? This is bad. This is really bad. Let me start actually caring about what my kids do. Let me start caring about... I don't about think there's anything wrong with both. Uh, I completely disagree because it was proven. The, the government cannot do one regulation without abusing its power. And look at like what we said. They just keep doubling down, and they do more regulations on top of it. Because everything. And then what regulation what, is enough? Well, that's what I said. Like nobody knew this was an issue till regulators came in and said, "What the fuck are you doing?" And it's like it made it public. Yeah. And now it's like now this is this is where I think regulations do come in is because now the public is aware of that stuff, but they don't know what exactly it is that they can do. Because you have some people of our gener of, of our society mm -hmm. that don't understand technology. They yep. don't realize, like, I'm on this thing, but it's doing this thing, but I have to have this thing, but I don't know how to stop it from doing the things they told me to do on the TV. To where you, that's where I think a regulation can't do. I think they overstep 100%. Mm -hmm. It's like, but I do think some regulation is warranted because now the app is going to come in and says, okay, we're not going to collect data this way. So we're just going to shift it and hide it and we're going to stick it in over here because we need this data for our profit model to work. Right. So that's where I think the government comes in and says, you just can't do that because that aspect of that data collection you're doing, the way you're monetizing it, the way you're sharing it is like, that is what we want to prevent. So you just can't do it in any all right. shape or form. So then here's the opposite set. First of all, some regulation. I just think that's funny because, and you, I would think you would agree with me, where when the hell has the government never over-regulated something? Like, they don't do just enough. They always overshoot. You understand? So that's one with regulations. And then you're saying, you know, okay, this is not right. Fine. That's not right. Facebook now becomes a paid service. Instagram becomes a paid service. Because how do they make money? By knowing what you want. They know what you want, what you watch, what you use. And they can use that to sell it to marketers so marketers can market to you. So they can market to the person that's going to be their buyer, their, their, their customer, right? So, okay, that's no longer allowed. We cannot collect any data from you anymore. Cool. Now the app needs to be paid. It's probably going to be $50 a month, whatever it needs to be for these companies to be profitable. Because anything that's free is never free. Yeah. You understand? Google search. It's not free. It's collecting all of your data. Amazon, it's collecting all of your data. Everybody's collecting data because that's the shit that matters. So if something's free, they're actually benefiting well, they somehow. Make, they make the comment in that thing. It's like, if you're not paying for it, that means you're the customer. Of course. And, it's yes. a, and, I, and I want to know. And you got to be okay with that. I'm okay with them collecting my data. I don't have any, you know, emotional ties or, or, or so fucking sensitive like everybody is. With collecting your data. I don't give a damn. Collect my data. Because I understand how it's business that, works. And that's not what they're trying to regulate with collection data. It's what you do with that data and how public you make it. And? 
What do you do? You really feel like your data is just not public? It's been public. It's, yes, I know there's things that are public, but not everything is public. What? What? But then, what is the? You're, like, you're, what are you're, you you're, you're, you have an, you have a cell phone. Mm-hmm. Your every waking moment that that thing is not attached to you is not public. Somebody cannot across the internet say, "What is John Barbera talking about tonight at 7? What about all all these claims that the government, the NSA, are always listening to your but conversation? But it's not public. How do you, okay, but they're still listening. I, I, so yes, you are. only care if other people get it. Like what what determines public to you that's not ag- agreeable to you? Like what don't you want to be public? What affects it's, you it's in that you, way? It's using it in the detriment because that's why like the TikTok thing was a big thing. It's like where that data was going. And what these people were doing with it, because we're in an interconnected cyber world to where it's like it's cyber warfare is the thing that's going to mm-hmm. become the issue. That's why and like Europe said, you cannot take our data outside and give it to American companies mm-hmm. or Facebook's like, screw it, then we'll leave if you go that route. So that is my thing is like it's what you do with the information that I think they're trying to understand regularly because. I don't think Facebook even knows where this information goes. Of they, course. Even, they even say in their thing, it's like somebody needs to come in and be like, look, you need to answer these questions. You need to give these platforms. And every time that the government steps in, free market doesn't want the government stepping in. So they go in and they start applying. This is okay. What is it that's causing these problems? Why are these regulators coming? What is doing and how do we fix it to get these people off our back? Because if they don't get off our back, it will become regulated and they do overset. Exactly. So yep. that's where that's where I think the private these private companies need to have the accountability to realize like you need to get ahead of the government or they are going and realize what the issues that you are doing or you are going to And they are regulated. doing that. They are doing that. It's just obviously it takes time to get there because there's so much of this But thing. that's the problem. They're not doing it fast enough. They're not caring enough because they're worrying about their bottom line. They're not they're Well, they're not caring until it becomes a real problem. But and that's And it saying. hasn't been one. Look and at TikTok, right? You, you use the example of TikTok. How many of us do we know what the real problem with TikTok is, right? That they're selling all this data to China and China is doing all this malicious stuff with the data. Yet people, these kids, these people, even adults that are, you know, outraged by all of this. They're like, oh, yeah, but screw that. I'm still on TikTok. You know, I love it. It's still fun. I still enjoy it. You understand? So it's like they don't care. They don't care. If they really cared... How would the public say it? They will. Everybody will get rid of their apps. And when Facebook just sees a huge drop in their consumption, they're gonna be like, "Oh shit!" Boom! Tomorrow, everything's changed. You understand what I'm saying? I agree with having regulators come in and bring this shit to light. But I'm not. I don't agree don't, with if, but, having the regulations be put. So in if place. the regulator puts it to light, and we all understand it's bad, but the company doesn't want to change. That doesn't happen. They do it. They change. They they've always changed because they're. Their thing is their bottom line. And it, it, it goes back to the, 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 the seatbelt thing. It's like they didn't change. They weren't changing. They, for 10 years, they fought it. And they, they Who's sold they? the car manufacturers. Uh, putting seatbelts in a car? It's seatbelts in cars or the general public not wanting to wear them because they put out the ads to the other side that it's like, oh, it's big government coming here just trying to regulate. Yeah. It doesn't save any lives. Here's all the studies showing that you don't need to wear a seatbelt, that not wearing a seatbelt actually saves lives over seatbelts. So, God forbid, other people don't agree with what the government is trying to do? They can disagree, but you can't make the argument that seatbelts were a good or, be- or weren't a good idea. I don't think it matters. And, like, like, and that's what I said. Like, government there's still in- people today that don't wear seatbelts when they drive. Yeah, you understand? They don't. So, it, 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 see, it, like, 
them coming out with the law still doesn't make people still abide by it. You understand? There's still people that drive drunk. That still happens. Uh, you know, as shocking yeah. as that is. People still drive without their seatbelt, as shocking as that is. So, but now there's heavy penalties related to okay, it. Okay, and that's fine. But what I'm saying is that the market is the market. The market is always going to try to do what's better on the bottom line. If this was a real issue, as much as regulators want to regulate it, if this was a real issue, these platforms would adjust to it as they have. I don't think they would. It's like their, pro their bottom line is all they, they care have. about. Their bottom line is all they but care they about. But they have. It's not an opinion. They have adjusted to it. Yeah, for their bottom line. Because regulators okay. were going to come in and smash them and hurt their bottom lines. So they, so they adjusted, adjusted. They adjusted some. But now they have, then they put them back in the limelight again because they came, came out with a new way to do the exact same thing from a different angle. Yeah, and you and know what's going to happen? The beautiful thing about a free market is that you're going to have, a, if this really becomes a platform, uh, an issue, you're going to have a platform that's going to come in and say, hey, we're this platform. We're the same as them. We collect zero. We, we do all the things that you hate. We're doing this. But and if it happen. really matters, because Facebook that will platform, come and buy that platform out and they will be smashed into oblivion before they. They don't have it. to buy them out. They would, sma they would smash them into oblivion. They've they said, like, every platform that's ever tried to come up as a comp yeah, shows competitive, they will throw enough money at it to sell it out or buy it out and then just but put you it in don't the back have shelf to sell and out. destroy it. Yeah, okay. It's like that's like the ultimate dream. Somebody comes along. So here. again, no more personal responsibility. Let's have the government control. I what didn't we say do. no government control everything. I said government regulations. When does that stop? It doesn't. That's the pro That's why you can't have a complete free market no, without no. government oversight. So you okay, can't. I agree with government oversight. You have to have some kind of organization collecting data that doesn't have to have some kind of profit model behind it. If we had that model, we wouldn't have an interstate system. Okay. And so it said, like, government is – the what was, what was the analogy that said, like, the government should stick to the things that the uh, the free market can't do mm -hmm. because you can't have 10 million different subsets uh, or entities trying to organize something like a highway system. It's like there's just too many moving parts and it just yeah, turned yeah, into yeah. a mess. So you have to have some form of oversight that connect can connect the dots that doesn't have a profit model behind it and really analyze it and be like, this isn't good. If we're seeing – rates of childhood uh depression and suicides rising like what is causing this problem and all of a sudden you start looking into it and like it's coming all the way down to a distinct line of when social media really started taking hold and it's like okay we need to start creating education campaigns we need to start combating this thing and bring it to light it's like but we don't the, need the regulations general, for that the general the, the general public is not catching on the problem still exists Going to the social media platforms. Saying, I think the general public isn't catching on because it doesn't want to. Well, exactly. They're not. So you want to force them to. When you're seeing childhood suicide rates skyrocketing from a distinct period of time and society's not getting it, somebody needs to step in. No, it just shows society doesn't give a fuck. Like, if I see that, I do care. Which is why, like we've said with my wife plenty of times, that we're like, my son is not going to have access to these platforms. We're not going to give it to him until he's like, I don't know, 14, 15. It depends how, when I feel that he's going to be mature enough to be able to handle what this platform dishes out. You understand? I'm choosing that for my kid. Yeah, but, you then, know? but you're aware of it. Yes. Because you, you pay attention to stuff, but not everybody has the ability to stay on top of it. Like we're in a cut, we're a 7 billion people in this world. Half of them are on social media and stuff like that. They can't get this stuff to everybody. 
It's like because the uh, platforms are way too damn addictive, and they they suppress this information like to just, where just by the sheer fact of what it has been able to do and shine the light on, and the changes that have already come, shows that enough people do understand to where the regulations, not regulations, but where the changes from these uh, companies are already being made. So again, Apple's new update scared the shit out of Facebook and they gave Facebook six months to adapt to it. But Apple's new update, heavy on security. You understand? They're adapting to it. YouTube. Because again, the regulators came in and said, if you don't do it, we will regulate and I, And I completely agree. All and I'm but, saying is that we don't need regulations for it. But if the companies refuse to... But act. they haven't. You're asking... You're saying for ifs. You want regulations for maybe if in the future, at some point, maybe this happens. No, it's not if in the future. It's if in the past. Like, you guys obviously are not listening. You're not making the changes. But they are now. Not doing this. And they are. And that's why they're not... The regulations haven't been put in. But you still want regulations right now. If they don't change. And, but... But you want them now. If they cannot get this under control. With okay, the, but they are. And, and well, the regulations are coming in. You've even said it. Like, you can't market to kids under a certain age. And it's like, those regulations are being put into play. They are being talked about. It's like, that's the problem with big government, though, is like, it does take a long period of time for this stuff to work its way through. To where, by the time that the apps already are adjusting these things, because they need to realize, like, that regulation gets through and it's going to get through. If we have not shifted our profit model, mm -hmm. our bottom line will get hurt. So we need to start adapting to those things. 100%. So that's where they come out. Like Europe comes out and says, your data cannot leave Europe. We want it all here. Facebook says, we will leave at that point. Well, I can talk about it. It's mutual assured destruction at that point. But now Facebook better start listening to Europe or some, some regulation will get passed that will cause Facebook to leave and then hurt their bottom line. Yeah. So that now is being pushed out there. So that's where I said, like, like, all I know is a utopia is never going to exist. They can come out, regulate, and ban all of social media everywhere. Something else is going to come out, and it's going to be just as worse or or even worse than uh, social media is right now because that's just how we go. That's how population's always been. That's why things have always been coming out, you know, that, that can hurt you, and then you have regulations against it, and then they open it, and then they ban it again, and it, it keeps flip-flopping. As civilization keeps improving and they keep doing things like you can put all the regulations you want and completely destroy social media. I honestly don't give a thing. I do not care if they destroy social media. There's going to be another way of accessing and reaching and marketing to people. Yeah. I'm perfectly fine. Take down social media. What I'm saying is it doesn't solve anything because then the next thing is going to come out and it's going to be something else and it's going to affect you just the same. And then it's like, well, let's overregulate that as well. And then it gets to a point where it's like, at what point are we as people allowed to take responsibility for the things that we do and don't do? If you're finding yourself spending too much time on social media, every phone has the feature that you can actually set time limits on how much you use a certain app. So if you feel like, man, you know, there's times that I completely lose control and I'm on Facebook for an hour and a half. Okay. Set a 20 minute time, uh, time block on, on Facebook. So you're on Facebook after 20 minutes. Facebook shuts down on you and it's blocked. You can go in there and unblock it and do everything, of course, but now you got to go out of your way to say, yes, I want to be on here. You understand? There are measures that we can take as humans, as people that I take responsibility. The general, public, the general public is that responsible. I, uh, I would love that it, it would be. And I, I agree with you in that sense, but I, that's where I'm saying like, but it's, that would be great. 
but it's not that way. It's not happening that so way. So let, let, let's seeing, have, again, let's have the government and you're control seeing, this. And you will see productivity drop. You will see suicide rates go up to where the point where it's like, okay, obviously the general public is not getting this to the point where the government's now, on the, the watch. You're talking hypotheticals. You're talking about maybe what ifs. You're talking about, you know, productivity is going to well, no, drop. I'm not talking what so, ifs. You know, I'm not talking what ifs. The, the, the suicide rates are No, right I get that it has gone up, but you're they're making all those adjustments to those platforms. But then we still go back to the underlying problem. All that is is a pill to the symptom, not the cause. Nobody is talking about and trying to work on the cause of the problem. But there's multiple causes. As there was like without regulation stepping in, no. nobody would have even saw it. Nobody would have cared. Mm. As like somebody you're saying regulation stepping in, but now before you're saying that you want regulations. Period. Not regulators to step in. Like I agree with that regulators no, should no. step in, bring to light. Bring all this. And if it and doesn't change the regulation, the reason it's called a regulator comes in is because they're saying you have this problem. Fix it or we're going to fix it for you. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's what I'm for. If they don't fix it and they don't get ahead of this and rates continue to rise and rise and rise and rise, then it's like now the yeah. regulators are forced to come but in and it, actually regulate. Again, it's shown that that doesn't happen because as soon as regulators come in, they change. And you're saying, what if they don't? Well, it's not a what if they don't. They're changing. They are changing, but if they do, uh, if they're working to improve. Oh, but if they don't do it, then the regular I think the regulations should step in at that point and be like, obviously you can't figure your shit out. We don't care about your bottom line. We care about our country and the labor force and the productivity of it. So now we're going to do it for you because you can't do it yourself. That's a scary thought. It yeah. is a scary thought, but that is where this is moving so fast. Can technology adapts and moves so quickly that government's too damn slow. To step into where is the damage already being done. And it shows that the suicide rates, they didn't get ahead of it. It did rise. And it is rising. Because like they things aren't going to go. There is going to be a really bad trend that leads to a change. You understand? Like you can't undo what's happened. Now what's going to be interesting is to see with all these new things that they've implemented. Is there going to be a change in the next five years on, on the suicide rate? And I, right? Yes, and I, so, I hope there is, and the platforms do do it, because I don't want regulators coming in and regulating and destroying That's the first like, thing you jump to. You want regulations. No, I said if they cannot get their shit together and the rates keep going up, then it's like, all right, we need to step in as a society now and do something about it, because obviously these platforms can't figure it out. These companies can't figure it out. Yeah, so but that that's was, not the case. It hasn't been happening. What matters is that we have people that agree with me, so you're wrong. Um, <laughs> oh, no, but, my God. Uh, uh, comment below. What, what are your th who do you agree with? Do you think that John is right and we're too stupid to think for ourselves and need to be regulated? Oh, get, you twist the comment. Or, typical politician. How is that not your point? You said that you think society as a whole cannot make this decision, so we need regulators. If they can't make their decisions, no, you didn't say if. In. You said that the the population as a whole can't make it, even though we've proven that we can. That's not what I was arguing at all, because obviously we're not so, run by the government. Oh, so you're changing your argument. No, you're, uh, you're that, trying to this is how you this is how me. you always do your arguments. You start here, then when you realize you're wrong, you change it, and you're like, well, really, what I'm saying no, is this: they should be regulated. That was That's what point. you said. Yeah, it's like social media should be regulated. So you want regulation on social media? If they can't get it done themselves. Now you have the if. Yes, because you want regulation, regulation or works. not? I do want regulations if they can't figure it out. And I think that these political companies have too much lobbyists mm -hmm. and political running into it to force the government to do what they want to do to get their bottom line. 
And it's not saying it's at their fault, but I think that money, that tie should be severed and the regulation should be put in place because I do think it's to a point now that they're not making the changes quick enough and that it is a detriment to society. Yeah. To where I think there should be regulations, but they are behind the ball. Okay. Well, there you have it, folks. <laughs> um, we've kind of, wow, two hours. I hope you guys have been enjoying it. Uh, I would, again, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. What do you guys think uh, as far as this whole issue? What are your opinions? Again, this is our opinions. Uh, things that I do recommend. These are two books that I think would help you tremendously. One of them is Stillness is the Key. This is by Ryan Holiday. Um, this is a, a, an amazing book to read because he covers so much about how so we, we need more stillness in our life, right? The reason social media has become so ad addictive and it's become what it is is because... God forbid we sit for five minutes with our own thoughts. You know, being alone, sitting alone, and all of this has become so unacceptable that the moment that we have a moment to just be quiet, first thing we're reaching to is our phone. You know, when you wake up in the morning, uh, they said it on the on the documentary, they're like, do you check your phone before you pee or after you pee? Right? No, or while you're peeing. No, they didn't say uh, while. Oh, they I said before or after you pee. I'm sure while you pee, but... Do you check it before or after? Not, you know, do you not check it at all? Like, you're going to check your phone, and we know you are. It's just, are you doing it before or after? So you, again, taking some responsibility, taking some ownership, and this may not be society, but hopefully it's you, and I believe in that this can spread, but, you know, do you take responsibility for what you do? And a lot of this is being able to wake up in the morning and not reach for the phone as soon as you open your eyes. If it's an issue for you, right? If it's an issue that you cannot sit down on the couch without whipping out your phone because you're going to be sitting there for two minutes, you know, can you not sit alone long enough for you to be able to just analyze your own thoughts? And that's when you understand and you need to understand that you have a problem and you need to figure this out, right? So you can do it by doing a media detox. Take, take a weekend off. I do it. There's times that I just take a whole day that I put my phone on silent. I leave it in a room and I don't look at my phone at all. You understand? Because that's just what it is. I want to be away from technology for that day. Um, do it for a week. Do it for however long you feel you need it. You have, again, you have apps on every phone that can tell you your limitation. Like you can limit certain, your activity in certain apps if you feel like, because understanding these apps is crucial, they do have psychologists and people on here trying to make the AI so smart that they keep you on there for hours. That's the goal of every single platform. Because it's free, they want you on there. They want you on there so occasionally you come across the ads and all the other stuff that makes the money. So if you find yourself that you go on YouTube to watch one video and next thing you know you went down the youtube rabbit hole and you've been there for two and a half hours watching stupid videos put a limitation on youtube and after 30 minutes an hour however long you want to give yourself the app shuts down well, it was also one of, i liked about that that documentary one watch that documentary but the next yes, thing was sure. like don't let it choose the next thing that you watch like make the choice yourself. Don't click on like recommended video. Click on that recommended video. Click on that. Except for our content because of course it's the best thing in the yeah, world. Yeah, you should always watch all of our <laughs> recommended videos. But it's just think for yourself on it. And um, and uh, do watch that social dilemma. I think yeah. it was a very good documentary that shined a lot of light on points that I think kind of sums up 
are two sides of the coin to where it's like you really need to be aware. Yeah. Like the, I, mean, I was shocked that it was on Netflix for one because their Netflix is one of those kind of. But that's why I told platforms. you, hey, watch it before they take it down. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But uh, turn off your notifications. That was the thing. You don't need I to did. be notified every second somebody texts you, everybody, anybody emails you, uh, anytime there's a like on your Facebook or on your Instagram or anything like that. Like, not everything needs to be responded to instantly. If it's that important, somebody will make sure to get a hold of you one way or another. So don't. I, we have all of our notifications turned off except for phone calls, right? Because. It drove him nuts because he said, text me that he's somewhere. And he's like, answer your phone. It's like, I don't, my phone does not even light up when I get a text message. It does not chime when I get a text message. No. The only way that thing disrupts me is via phone call. Yeah. And, Emails, and, nope. Social and this media, goes nope. Back, none of that stuff. It goes back to the same thing. Like if you're a person that cannot control how you react to your phone, as soon as a, a notification comes on, shut them off. Give yourself the advantage to win and to build these good habits. Well, that's um, one thing, I guess, it, it's they hide that stuff and it's not well known to where when the app first gets loaded on, now it, it's like every it app notifies says it. it I know they all have it. No, but every like, app, as soon as you download it, tells you, would you like to turn on notifications? Every single app does it. Yeah, it, it does now. But like a lot of things, like it did, well, the it, notifications on your phone, but the bubbles are preset to show up. Mm -mm. You you know? get, as soon as you, and it's been like that for quite some time. This is another book, Deep Work. Deep Work is an excellent book as well to read because it, he covers a lot. Like when you want to get things done and you're saying, you know, you know, I can't get this done and all of that. He, he goes over how to focus, how to get rid of distractions. And he covers social media very, very well. The author is Cal Newport. It's an excellent book. Uh, he has given a lot of talks about this. And his biggest thing is social media. He gives a lot of talks about social media and how to not have it as a distraction. So I strongly recommend you check him out, check out the book. And again, this we say in every episode, guys, take responsibility for your own life because if not, you will have to Somebody else will let John have government take over <sighs> and control your life. So um, definitely take responsibility, own it, and keep watching. Subscribe if you enjoy, if you've gotten any value, share this with your friends. Um, smash that like button. Yeah. And and we do this every Friday, 8 a.m. And throughout the weeks, we're always posting out videos for real estate on uh, strategies and stuff that we're doing. So hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you guys had a lot of value out of this. Always comment. We're always checking out the comments even after this. So if you have anything that you want to keep discussing and talking about, Put it below. We'll get back to you. We'll respond. We'll give you our feedbacks. And, and you guys in the community as well, respond and have constructive conversations, all right? There's no bullying. There's no making fun of people for their opinions, all right? Have constructive. We all have opinions. Make sure you check out the description for more related videos and links. Thank you for listening, and I'll catch you on the next one.